So, hello everyone and this is me Hemant and I'm back with another podcast of All About United and Football. Of Premier League 2019-20 season and obviously we're going to look at the 2019-20 upcoming Premier League season that's going to you know, unravel in the next 10 months maybe. Um, so obviously at the time of recording already one Premier League match has obviously taken place which is Liverpool versus Norwich uh, and... Liverpool have obviously thrashed Norwich by 4-1. Mo Salah obviously being the star star attacker. So let's just get back into this podcast then. So obviously I've got Harsh as usual, who obviously was very desperate to do the Deadline Day podcast. And then I've got Pranav with me, who's here with me for the second time. And yeah, she, he's obviously going to talk about all the ins and outs in, for all the Premier League clubs in the 2019-20 transfer window. So, great to have you, Pranav. So, obviously, let's just quickly get into this. Arsenal obviously have killed the deadline day like anything. So, like, the guy besides me is, like, the happiest person in the world because, like, he, he literally couldn't believe the way Arsenal just uh, went about the business in the deadline day. So, let's just uh, start off with it then. Pranav, just take the stage and share your views. Okay, so now to begin with, uh, Arsenal absolutely smashed in the transfer deadline day. Uh, first signing being Kieran Tierney, who was, I think he was, he's been linked for like two years with every major club in Europe, and I'm glad that we got him. And 25 million for him is is not quite so much of a gamble. Like I know it's in the Scottish Premier League and everything, but considering his numbers have been consistent even in the Europa League and the Champions League. Uh, next signing that we got is David Luiz. Trust me. Uh, we would have gone for Upamecano, but 75 million seemed a bit out of the budget right now. Uh, considering that, uh, I think David Lewis for 8 million is absolutely fantastic. And he, it's a pretty good stopgap signing. Uh, then other transfers were obviously all set in, like Nicolas Pepe for 72 million, William Saliba, and Gabriel Martinelli, and da- David, Danny Sabellos on loan. Everything's great. Uh, one thing I'm kind of sad about is Alex Iwobi leaving for Everton. Um, 35 million is a pretty decent price for him, but Honestly, the last season was the one, that, like the season right before he's going to explode. I think he had 0.56 expected goals and assists. So I'm pretty sure he's going to do great at Everton. And Arsenal will regret that, but let's hope not too much. Uh, second club being Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, I think they have spent uh, the most in the Premier League this window. It's, uh, it says right, it's 146 million. And this does smell and stink of uh, Fulham 2.0. But I do not think that's going to happen because uh, they have made some pretty smart signings. They have strengthened in the areas where they needed to and they have got pretty good backups. And Aston Villa is a club that deserves to be in the Premier League and I'm pretty sure that they'll get it done. Uh, Bournemouth have, like, well, they've gone about their reason very satisfactorily. There's not much to do here and there. I think a mid-table finish is what they can expect. Uh, now, Brighton or Albion. This is one club I'm kind of concerned for because... Um, he did get Aaron Moe from Huddersfield on loan. But uh, the fact still remains that they struggled last season. And I think they got rid of their manager too. And just they were they were extremely lucky last season to just stay up. And I think they're going to struggle in the relegation this time. Uh, next being Burnley. I have absolutely no idea how Burnley have stayed in the Premier League this long. Uh, the one season where they finished seventh, it was just like conceding like zero goals and scoring like one in every ten games. But I think Burnley are going to stay in. I think the only major signing they got is Jay Rodriguez from West Brom. And he really needs to just hit the ground running. I mean, there's nothing else that can happen. 
and i think uh, yeah they got danny drinkwater from chelsea on loan so yes that's the midfield to replace lampard apparently so yeah uh, chelsea even though they have a transfer ban they did complete two signings one was christian pulisic all the way back in january and matteo kovacic which they he was on loan last season they just confirmed his transfer again um there is not much they can do honestly so they really have to rely on their youth this season uh crystal palace i think this was a, one of the most tensed clubs uh, during the deadline day because of is he going to go is he going to stay but i think he's decided to stay against his will but i think they'll be fine because i think it was really keen for them to keep zaha because no matter how much money they got for him i do not trust crystal palace to be invested in the right way and they could have gotten like four other players by selling zaha but they would have <coughs> sorry they would have spoiled their team and it's, they would have definitely struggled so zaha saying that is a good thing everton are again someone who everton have always been on the club they are like on the brisk of uh, exploding but i think this season they actually might because uh, getting in moyskin is an absolute amazing business i think he had 11 uh, he had eight goal involvements in 11 uh, games uh, less than i think 1500 minutes so moyskin is going to explode getting alex evopi again i think that's a really really good move for them uh one person they're not able to sign is a fucking center back apparently i think the uh, deal for marcus rojo collapsed at the very last moment but um yeah i'm still concerned about their midfield though because i think they're planning to replace edrisa gay with andre gomez and fabian delf i mean all due respect edrisa gay completed like six tackles and interceptions for match last season and i don't think andre gomez and fabian delf will match up to that but yeah good luck to them now one club who absolutely excited me this season is leicester city i mean as they've made uh, early in the window they signed Yuri Tielemans Ayoso Perez uh, they did lose out Harry Maguire to Manchester United uh, but i think uh, they can trust trust Sohinko and Benkovic to do enough at center back and they got in Dennis Pratt from Sampdoria for like i think 20 million pounds which is way less than the quoted price of about 30 million pounds that Arsenal were bidding at the start of the season so yeah that's a good addition to the midfield i guess so liverpool have been extremely quiet this season um i think this is that this is the reason i back another manchester club to win the title this season because liverpool have basically just not strengthened in areas that they needed to and they, they've just like i don't know what's happened they, it's not like they don't have money to spend maybe they don't don't have money to spend like 200 million this season but i'm pretty sure they have enough to get an adequate backups for their starting 11 but they have not been able to do that so i think they're just going to rely on klopp pulling out some huge huge aces of his sleeve uh next being manchester city i think as much as arsenal have killed it this is the reason manchester city are the biggest club in europe right now one yeah, of the biggest city clubs yeah this is one of the reason that manchester city is one of the biggest clubs in europe right now they already had the best fullback in the league and they went out and got another fullback who now is the best fullback in the league so i do not know how they like he's gotten the pep has gotten the perfect replacement for fernandino and i think he's got his sergio busquets mark 2.0 So yeah, uh, Rodri is absolutely fantastic, and then Angelino they've signed him back from PSV. I think they had a buyback clause of about 10 million euros or 8 million euros. So yeah, Angelino is going to provide decent enough left back cover for Fulham Mendy. I'm sorry for Benjamin Mendy, and it'll be great. Now Manchester United, as much as Hamid wants me to skip this part, uh, getting Harry Maguire is a good deal for 80 80 million pounds. I do not think so. I think considering the delict was signed for like 65, 67 million pounds. like you could have offered 70 million pounds given him 10 million signing bonus and wages and i think it would still cost less than freaking harry maguire did 
but yeah it's a good move like this money is just very subjective nowadays so that's not a problem aaron van bussaka i think that was a fantastic deal that they cracked uh, 45 million euros that's not too much and considering that he's going to cement that position for at least another 10 years that's i don't think that's a problem at all now daniel james is he's a really good young exciting talent he is not gigs 2.0 that people are comparing him to be but he's not going to be bad either so yeah it's pretty exciting uh considering they let go of romelu lukaku in the on the deadline day uh that's that kind of puts a lot of pressure on uh, rashford marshall and mason greenwood <clears throat> but i don't know i don't think they should have let him go without having a replacement or like they could have just offered lukaku up and you know just gotten a swap for like brozovic like just give me 50 million and brozovic i think that would have been a fantastic deal considering they have a really really thin midfield now newcastle united uh this club has gone through a lot this season uh they have completed some like two really good signings i feel like joel linton from hoffenheim and alan sen maximen uh alan sen maximen was uh, linked to every big premier league club like two se- a season back and i think newcastle united is not what you hope for but i think for 16 17 million i think that's a great move uh newcastle united they just really have to hope that i know god comes and saves them there's nothing else that can honestly and yeah andy carroll is back home so let's hope he can do something norwich city no norwich city is another club who like really excite me like really young squad and uh, i i just really hope they can work it out they have got a lot of uh, signings coming in uh, kind of some of them are like free and on loan and everything one signing that kind of does excite me is uh, ralph farman from shalka i have absolutely no clue how the shalka let him go i mean ralph farman is one of the best goalkeeper one of the most consistent goalkeepers in the bundesliga in the last few years so yeah now which have a pretty strong squad con- despite the result they had last uh, night but yeah uh, sheffield united i think this is just going to be like i mean there's nothing they got a decent signing just because they had to i guess and yeah this pretty mediocre signings and they're going to struggle in the premier league uh southampton uh their signings don't excite me as much as their team does honestly uh che adams and danny ings are a good striking force Uh, like decent enough considering they southampton scored like very few goals last season and they were heavily reliant on their midfield and wide wide players to score some goals but yeah they finally have some good proper strikers now and ralph fasnoodle can probably work something out and help them out now tottenham hotspur like jesus christ i hate this club but i cannot cannot deny that they absolutely killed it in the transfer window uh getting in dombele in for 55 million which I think he's easily a hundred million pound player. Getting him for fifty-five million is absolutely world class. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. I mean, oh my God, this guy's on the brink of exploding since two seasons, and he finally did last season. I think they got him on loan. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. They did get him get him on loan this season, and I think they have an obligation to buy for forty-five million pounds. And that that's extremely cheap. I mean, I do not know. Even Russell so is definitely like another hundred million pound player. And I think PSG let him go for what like thirty million pounds to balance the book last season. Extremely stupid, but yeah. And yeah, uh, another player they have is Ryan Sessegnon from Fulham. Uh, he is not a fullback. He's like a winger. But I do trust Pochettino to like make him into a fullback if needed. because that is where uh, Tottenham kind of lack strength nowadays because considering like they had the best full backs in the league under Pochettino you know, for the longest time and they too kind of like lack personnel there but if needed be i think uh, Pochettino can convert Ryan Sessegnon into a full back 
uh yeah coming towards the end here watford uh watford had a pretty decent transfer and i feel like uh, getting ismail sar from ren like jesus Christ, that's a fantastic move like um quoted for 30 million pounds i think that's it's less than 30 million pounds yeah um it has to be less than 30 million pounds so uh it's he's an absolutely exciting talent here and he was also linked to arsenal when we needed when we couldn't sign nicolas pepe apparently but yeah i don't care so ismail sar will be absolutely fantastic very fast player plays on the right left uh, he's a left footed player kind of lacks a right foot but i don't think what would really care that much so having delfeu and ismail sar on the wings is some really good business and they also signed danny welbeck for free so i i don't think he's going to do much but yeah he's always been a good squad player to have and like he does turn up when needed so that's fine now west ham united like i think west ham are no longer the banter club <coughs> that's gone shifted on to some other clubs here and there but west ham united have also like they've invested so so smartly like sebastian haller from uh, frankfurt i think it's an excellent business to get him for 40 million pounds like, considering that they have philippe anderson on one side and they have pablo fornals playing i think haller haller is the perfect uh, striker to link all these players up in and around and i think lanzini comes back from his injury so that's going to be great too so yeah west ham and then for a really exciting season now wolves last but not the least wolves have been extremely great in their transfer business too i think they they did not sign as many players as much as they confirmed people from loans uh, raul jimenez was confirmed for about 30 million pounds then donko from anderlecht was confirmed for 12 million pounds which is an absolute steal to be honest <coughs> they also added patrick cotrone from milan like i patrick cotrone was linked to every big club like they, he was linked to juventus united and I don't know, like a lot of clubs here and there for like a quoting price of like fifty, sixty million pounds. But I think I have no idea how they got him in for sixteen, seventeen million pounds. But that Patrick Cotrone is an absolutely amazing player. He did not score too many goals last season, but I think his short numbers were pretty consistent, and a lot of them were from inside the box. So yeah, that's really going to help Wolves, considering that they play on counter attack, and considering that they're going to have potentially have Europa League this season. I think that adds up to like 50 total games that they're going to be playing the season and depth is something that they really need. So yeah, good luck to Wolves there too. And I think yep, that's pretty much it. All the transfers covered. Okay. Over to Heman. Yep, so I think uh, that's basically pretty much a good explanation from Pranav I think uh, about all the clubs. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, it's better that we get in your know, season predictions Pranav so that would be kind of better okay season predictions now uh okay you know what i'm going to yeah okay fine let's go to teams right here okay uh okay i'm going to start from the bottom so 20th place i definitely believe now 28 to 17 is kind of difficult to predict but yeah teams to be relegated are definitely going to be sheffield united i think newcastle will be in there like it's really like, i don't think newcastle deserve to be there like considering the stature of the club but i really see them struggling this season so yeah sheffield united uh newcastle and i think it honestly could be time for burnley to go down like burnley or brighton one of the, those clubs they are definitely going to go down i feel so yeah uh, considering that 17th place finish uh, okay either of burnley or brighton whoever doesn't relegate they are going to finish 17th it's going to be extremely extremely close uh, 16th place finish um does kind of feel uh, weird but i would say maybe crystal palace could finish 16th um, they really don't 
have I don't I don't even know how wholeheartedly is are even going to play now that knowing that he wants to move out so yeah 16 place is going to be crystal palace uh going up to 15th i think it'll, it'll probably be bournemouth who finish 15th um i mean they had they did have some good ryan fraser and their striker i can't get his name yeah calamels yeah calamels yeah, they both of them had really really yeah really both of them had really good seasons but uh, they did uh, like fall really bad at the towards the end of the season so i don't expect them to do too much but yeah 15th place finish for them uh 14th place i would go for norwich now considering that they've just come up from the uh, championship but they do have premier league experience and again their squad is really young and exciting so yeah i do predict norwich will finish 15th 14th i would go for as no i would go for watford honestly uh watford again um pretty solid team uh their manager is pretty good uh I, this name slips my mind Harvey Garcia. Yeah, Harvey, yeah, Harvey Garcia is a pretty good manager. I think he's going to gel those attacking players pretty well. And Watford could be a tough team to face this season. So, yeah, 14th place, finish going to go Watford. 13th place, uh, kind of unlikely, I feel like, but I do feel Aston Villa could definitely finish 13. Like, they, they, their business has been something absolutely mind-blowing. And that's something that you do not expect from a championship team, apart from Wolves last season. But, yeah. I would go 14th. Was this 14th? Yeah, 14th place finish to Watford. Oh no, so, yeah, 14th place finish to Watford and 13th place to Aston Villa. Now my 12th place finish. Um, uh, it could be a bit dicey, but I think 12th place could go to. I think it'll go to Wolves, uh, considering that they. I mean, the squad is absolutely fantastic. I do not doubt that, but I do doubt how resilient they could be on all the fronts. Maybe if they if they generally want to pursue Europa League. or go to quarter final semi final something like that then they will drop significantly down the table uh but if they decide not to then they can put all their eggs in premier league but yeah i would expect wolves to finish about 12th uh 11th uh, i it's southampton oh actually no you know what i'll let southampton finish 13th i'll let uh, aston villa finish 12th and i'll go wolves for uh, 11th that makes more sense yeah so southampton finished uh, will finish very extremely low uh, ralph hasenutl is a great manager honestly but um, still lacks some striking force and actually you know when ralph hasenutl turned up i think his first game was against arsenal uh, they beat us 3-2 and it clearly showed that they just needed some fresh air into them and yeah a good pre-season under his belt i think ralph hasenutl will do enough to have a good strong mid table finish um 10th i would i would love to go for chelsea in 10th but i don't think they would uh 10th what i don't know man it's really difficult to start predicting from here that uh 10th 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 i have no idea did i miss out any big club no okay wait, are there 10 clubs left yeah. okay sorry you can just edit this part out okay uh 10th i think i'll go for um uh i think i i don't want to go for chelsea but i don't i can't see west any ham maybe west ham uh i have kind of okay 10th and 9th it has to be one of west ham and chelsea so uh west ham have been really great but um, at the end of the day it's still west ham and i do doubt their capabilities but yeah uh they will be in and around the fighting for the europa league spots and apart from that the next could be 
yeah chelsea uh, i do not uh, i do not have anything against them uh, it's a shit club though but point being uh, chelsea have a transfer ban their attack seems extremely weak and i think uh, their starting lineup when hudson odoi gets fit, fit should be hudson odoi uh, pulisic and i think tammy abraham is going to play up top but i i tammy abraham is a really good striker i think he did excellent at aston villa and in the championship last season but he i don't still think he's ready for the premier league so yeah the attack is going to be something that lets them down unless pulisic absolutely kills it and generally replaces eden hazard so yeah uh, eighth place finish i will go for everton um again they have a really good attack a really young exciting team their defense is something that does kind of bother me uh, they did the, like considering the desperation they put put in for marcus rojo and even he declined them that does seem kind of fishy so yeah everton and i think the biggest problem here is going to be replacing idrissa uh, gay uh, i think he got oh i think oh I'll, uh, he had eight tackles and interceptions per game and not six i think uh, wilfred and dd was a second highest with 6.1 so yeah it's going to be extremely difficult to replace him uh, so the midfield does seem a bit more fluent but i think it does lack the screening and the steel that you would need in the premier league uh now seventh place finish is i would go for uh i go i think lester will go higher than seventh uh seventh place finish and what teams am i missing out on that's to be one team that i'm missing out from from the top six oh yeah seventh okay mm. i do that so can you uh, can you pause the but Okay, so my sixth place finish is going to be Manchester United, and they, I mean, for once, I don't know, this has been the conundrum since Fergie, uh, and so you would exactly know how it feels to be an Arsenal fan. When you have your defense sorted out, you don't have your attack. When you have your attack sorted out, your midfield's missing. When you have a midfield sorting out, something, the goalkeeper is missing. So this is something you guys have to get used to. And but I think it's, it's about time that United, and I really expected them to solve with this window. but yeah uh, i really think uh, ole gunnar solskjaer will be gone by the end of the season but yeah uh, united will finish sixth considering that their attack is still like rashford marshall and sanchez is sanchez still there yep yep sanchez okay <laughs> sanchez uh, pogba and i i think they're strong enough yeah i think they're strong enough to finish sixth unless pogba decides to leave uh, because real madrid and psg still have their transfer window open <laughs> Well, I th- I th- I would sell Pogba and get in like th- three players in exchange. Since you can't spend, I would definitely sell Pogba and get three players. So yeah, uh, United finish six. My fifth place finish. Some one team that's gonna break into the top six again is gonna be Leicester City. Like they they really really excite me this season. The kit is amazing. The team the team is amazing. Brendan Rodgers is just absolute crazy machine. So yeah, uh, Leicester really excite me. And I think Yuri Tielemans is someone. Uh, he's absolutely fantastic i think he played 13 games for leicester on loan last season uh, since january and he definitely proved why he should be in their team uh, so yeah yuri tielemans is going to be amazing now my fifth place finish uh, was leicester and my fourth place finish is going to go to arsenal now back to our religious homeland the fourth place uh, it's it's going to be a fantastic it's um, Really, really, really excited for arsenal uh, yeah attack is great our midfield is great uh, defense is good, good enough to get into the top four, I feel. And yeah, uh, Emery, uh, I think Unai Emery is his last season uh, at like Arsenal, and he'll have a one-year extension. 
So because we he, we did offer him only a two-year contract plus a one-year extension, but uh, considering it's Arsenal, I initially thought that they would just extend his contract in like December or something. Like Arsenal will play play some relegation battling team and beat him beat them five nil, and then they'll just offer Emery a new contract. But considering how stern they have been in the transfer window and how resilient the backroom staff is now, I don't. I think Emery is, is actually walking on thin ice. I think he has good enough players to not make the mistakes he made last season, and I really hope it works out. Like, so yeah, Arsenal finished fourth, and uh, third place finish will go to Tottenham. I think uh, even without signing Lascelles, so I think they were still pretty much secure the third place finish. But yeah, I think Lascelles just cements that position. Uh, they their fullbacks is something I'm concerned about. Uh, but I trust Pochettino. I think Pochettino is the second best manager in the league, and he's definitely up there in the world. So yeah, but I do expect Pochettino to work wonders. And now the attack consists of Harry Kane, Huming Son, Lucas Moura, Deli Ali. Christian Eriksen is still there. Add Ryan Sessegnon to it, and I think you have a really, really fantastic attack. Uh, my second place finish will go to Liverpool. Um, honestly, I was gonna go for Tottenham Hotspur to finish second, but um, it's still Spurs, so I don't know. But yeah, Liverpool. Uh, they did not do anything in the transfer window as such, but I think considering yesterday's game, they still beat Norwich 4-1. Still look resilient. Still look pretty sharp. Uh, Klopp's effect hasn't worn out yet, and I hope it doesn't. Because because I I really really love watching Liverpool play. So yeah, uh, I think Salah scored his good goal, good enough goals. Uh, Sadio Mane might drop a bit because I think he scored five more than his expected outcome last season. So yeah, uh, but yeah, the yeah, fullbacks are great. Um, midfield is strong as well, and yeah, attackers are really good. So Liverpool finished second and top of the table. I think Man City could. Easily win the title for another three seasons and like without even any competition. So I do not do not know how Pep has done it. Like his first season was so atrocious, and then the season after that he just killed it. And Pep is just proving that he is the best manager the manager in the league and in the world right now. And he's definitely up there with the best managers of all time. Uh, the one thing that they would definitely want to go for now is the Champions League because Pep hasn't won the Champions League since 2011, if I'm not wrong, with Barca. So yeah, Champions League will be the next goal, but uh, I I think that they're gonna walk in with the Premier League title there. I uh, I think Spurs will be more of a competition than Liverpool this season, but yeah, I do back on, on Manchester City to win the title. So yeah, there you go, top 20 of the top 20 20 Premier League teams this season. So yeah, so I think uh, that was. Though some obviously some predictions were kind of controversial in that. So and obviously the transfer windows been absolutely amazing for some clubs and absolutely disappointing for some clubs. So I've, I'm really sorry for keeping Harsh waiting for like so long. So Harsh, just get going with your stuff then. Yeah, you were absolutely desperate about the deadline day. So yeah, take the stage. Yeah, so I hope you can hear me. So yeah, of course it was a great deadline day. Like. Some of the deals going through were just quite amazing. Like the whole David Luiz thing, it just started one day ago, and probably just drove to the, the other part of London and he signed a deal from Chelsea from Chelsea to Arsenal. So that's that's a good signing. Then Arsenal and Spurs probably the busiest clubs on deadline day, both signing two players, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, like Pranav said, like Ivo, the loss of Ibovi is gonna be quite good because I I like Ibovi more than most people do because. 
he's a, he's he's like what origi is for liverpool like he's a player who can come in to later in the game and just create a moment of magic when the defenders are tired and stuff so yeah so like uh, let's let's get straight to it like the uh, three biggest winners of the transfer the window are spurs city and uh, arsenal so let's just start with spurs who i just think have had the best window of all the of all the premier league clubs so let's see who they got in they got in first of all they got in jack clark who just went out straight on loan to leeds back again uh so went out back on loan to leeds again sorry and then they got in tongi and dombele who is just an insane, he's he's the perfect replacement for musa musa dembele who went to china last year like that is just the perfect replacement i could think of that, that is such great scouting and uh talent identification by the spurs backroom like that that signing and the fact that they were able to get him for around 55 million without much uh interest from any other clubs that was something you have to give spurs credit for and then on the last day they got in again two signings ryan sesenyon is they needed another left back because there's like still hope that danny rose might leave the club he was go he was he was allowed to go search for other options by pochettino and the backroom staff of us and he wasn't taken on pre-season either so yeah so ryan sesenyon might be a good left back along with ben davies who's still there and uh, and they got in giovanni loselso like giovanni loselso and endombele along with frankie de jong i think were the three best central midfielders in the world last year like that is just insane recruitment like they knew their problem was in midfield cuz like you can't have a midfield of moza sissoko harry winks and like Vanyama for another season so they went out there got two of the best central midfield and they were able to get Willocelso on loan which was another thing like Daniel Levy is just the best negotiator in the world i guess like if you can do that and get Tongi and Dombele for 55 million i think Spurs have had the best transfer window of all the premier league clubs let's go on to city now city have brought in three players i guess So they brought in first of all Angelino who was at PSV he's a homegrown talent of course uh played at City's academy and they brought him back and uh, yeah he provides good left back cover cuz that was something hurting us even though Zinchenko was superb last season i don't think you can rely on playing him a lot so good good cover there and uh, then you brought in the perfect replacement for Fernandinho like seriously i don't think you can get a better replacement in the world other than Rodri like he is just so much what Fernandinho does he can do like completely but uh, so this season like he might not play the most of the games and Fernandinho might still start but next year he's going to be 36 so next year might really be Rodri's here so let's see and then on the last day like i guess it was before the deadline day i guess they brought in Jao Cancelo and uh, what this suggests to me is that Walker might kind of play in the center back role because we only have like three center backs currently which are which are Laporte Stones and Otamendi and I don't think Pep Guardiola favors Stones or Otamendi so he might rather play Walker at center back and he's done that for England and yep and there was a suggestion in a recent interview that Fernandinho said he might play in center back as well so we might see something special here in the in center back this season for Manchester City so Yeah, and Jao Cancelo is just one of the best left backs in the world and the greatest thing we managed to do is like sell Danilo to Juventus for 37 million. So I guess uh Juventus and uh, yeah, so the Jao Cancelo deal is I guess 
67 million overall which makes him the most uh, costly fullback but it just adds depth to a already existing squad and so manchester city manchester city have just gone out and if this this year they don't win the champions league with the squad they've got it's like it's one of the this this is one of the best squads like ever assembled and if we don't win the champions league it's going to be a shame then we go on to arsenal who had an interesting window i would say uh they their center back they've addressed the center backs to an extent with david luiz but like their starting four center backs are going to be uh for the first few games are going to be uh, socrates uh the david luiz uh callum chambers and mustafi which is like like i don't know it's math not that great at all so uh then they got in kiran tiani which is really good uh, i really like him he's had an injury of his he's had a history of injuries but um i think he's a good center back he's uh, sorry left back he's played well in the champions league and the europa league and uh, yeah so uh, and then an attack like n- attack like nicolas pepe could be one of the transfers of the season like uh, he's he's just that good like they i am they must be like killing them so, sorry they must be really happy that they didn't go for zaha and they probably got a better player in nicolas pepe with a higher ceiling because uh, yeah and he can just provide the extra element of pace and dribbling that arsenal like really required and danny sabas might be the one of the best loan signings ever like seriously that is something that arsenal defense arsenal midfield sorry needed a lot this year in uh, in the past seasons like this 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 is what arsenal have lacked since like uh, santi cazola went out of the club and uh, yeah so he's like uh, but it's a shame that they didn't get uh, him an obligation to sign so if they would have got that i would probably put them way above everybody else in the transfer window so yeah these are the three biggest winners according to me and uh, Manchester United now I would I really want to talk about this cuz I don't know like Lukaku went the other way and they didn't bring any replacement for him so that makes the forward line like really fragile if Rashford gets an injury it is just poor like you then you'll have to play Anthony Martial and then you'll have to play Sanchez on the right wing I guess Daniel James left wing I don't know that that attack just if Rashford gets injured that attack looks kind of a mess to me and that midfield is like really bad seriously the pogba is the only kind of okay guy and uh, only in the interviews he was saying that he didn't get he wanted another attacking midfielder which he didn't get which suggests to me that i think scott mctominay is going to play most of the games in defensive midfield but i don't know how good is he is he even premier league quality he might be premier league quality but he's probably not top 6 quality so let's see how this season pans out for manchester united Yeah so those were my initial thoughts about the biggest players in the transfer window. Uh, so you want you don't want to talk about the other clubs there? Like we can have a discussion like you can go and I can just rebut over there. Yeah so yeah so that's better than like okay. So I'll start then club by club. So let me just start off with kind of uh arsenal maybe so yeah so arsenal obviously like got nicolas pepe kentani danis abayos and they got and they got uh, you know william saliba where they sent him back on loan so i think if you look at the overall transfer window for me it's been like very very good uh, but like 
still like i don't think yeah david luis i forgot his name there so i think uh, the overall transfer window has been like kind of kind of been very good for them so but the but the thing with arsenal is that there's still other uh, defense is still very like thin you know rob holding is kind of injured right now and then uh, you you have david luis obviously if he i don't think he can play all the europa league games and uh, you know the cup games and stuff like that and then socrates has been kind of inconsistent in my opinion for arsenal uh, in the last uh, last season or so so uh, it depends like how uh you know unai emery uh, deals with the center back crisis uh, and you know I, i i don't know about arsenal's academy in terms of center backs and stuff so like maybe they have like some exciting prospects there but like you know in terms of like proven first team quality i don't think arsenal are like uh, very very strong in terms of center backs but like full backs i think they've got very very good full backs and bellerin tierney i think they're going to they're going to have a good good attacking displays i think because like nicolas pepe obameyang and lacazette that's going to be a you know premier league uh, you know that's going to be a premier league tearing attack i mean that, that that's going to be absolutely brilliant for me so yeah so that that's for that's that was for arsenal for me and then gabriel martinelli uh, he he came uh, from etano football uh, football club uh, which is obviously a very exciting south american club in my opinion so like i think yeah let's see how he uh, helps them so talking about the outs i think obviously aaron ramsey was a very big loss but they i think uh, got danish abios which was i think a very good uh, replacement for him and then you have uh, alex iwobi going out which is i think a big loss i think the reason why uh, nicolas pepe was brought in because like i think alex iwobi was kind of edging on the uh, you know was on the verge of leaving if arsenal were going to sign someone like an ismailas or maybe a nicolas pepe something like that so i think yeah and then david ospina left so i think i don't think uh, they 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 have a good backup goalkeeper in my opinion because like uh, i don't think burn leno can play all the europa league games and uh, the premier league games so i think uh, i don't know who is there i think there's someone like martinez in there for arsenal in goal and i think uh, yeah let's see like how he does uh, for uh, for arsenal there and then they've got they, they had a couple of outs and and katia is one of them who, who went to leeds and i think he's going to be kind of good for them so yeah so arsenal in, in my opinion if i had to give arsenal a rating out of this transfer window i would like give them a eight a strong eight i think they've they've done very well but i think wasn't the perfect of the transfer windows uh, in my opinion but like seriously the the, the way they uh, kind of balanced the net spend i think that was absolutely brilliant uh, the deadline was absolutely mind blowing in my opinion so that that was arsenal for me uh, talking about aston villa uh, i think this this I know then I think it was you who texted me someday that Aston Villa had spent like about 140 million or something like that and I was like very I was very crazy about it because like I didn't I didn't realize like what signings that Aston Villa actually made I mean I hadn't uh, heard like many big names for uh, from Aston Villa coming in so then like I kind of uh, took a sneak peek into it so uh, so tom heaton's obviously a very good signing from burnley i think uh, i think that he's going to start a, uh, start games for aston villa in my opinion uh, a lot and i think he's going to be a good premier league goalkeeper for them so 
then they've uh, brought some cup uh, they they've brought couple of players from club broach so uh, club so i think like marvelous incumba is uh, is a is a good prospect i think but like let's see how aston will deal with him and then uh, you've got uh, matt target from southampton who has uh, you know obviously one of the one of the kind of breakout players for southampton last season and then uh, you've got uh, jota from birmingham city i thought uh, initially i thought it was diogo jota but then like i was like uh, how can this even happen so yeah so then you have uh, wesley from club bruges i think uh, i saw a bit of wesley for of club club bruges against uh, against monaco uh, i think club bruges versus monaco i think i saw a bit of wesley and i think he's a he's a good he's a, he's a decent signing as well and i think tyrant mings was an overrated player i mean like uh, they villa should have never paid 20 million for tyrant mings in my opinion because i think um, it, it is too expensive for a player i mean like but but obviously i'm going to he was great for them in the yeah he was great like, for them in the championship to like he and twans away were quite a good center back pairing yeah uh, yeah but like i think i'm going to contradict my own point uh, and and you know in this podcast because i, I i've got to say something uh, related to like overpaying of players and stuff like that so so uh, basically then you've obviously their outs are like uh, many so you can't just like keep naming every one of them and then let's talk about bournemouth uh, obviously the notable uh, signings have been philip belling from uh, huddersfield who signed for 15 million and they've got harry wilson on loan which is again uh, very very good uh, because like harry wilson was like uh, kind of the breakout stars for derby county last season in the championship and i think he's a very good set piece taker and a very good prospect for wales uh, so i think uh, yeah so i think harry wilson's a good move in my opinion and then uh, you have philip billing uh, of of hardersfield who was like good initially in the, in the start of last season and i think uh, they needed someone uh, to accompany jefferson lerma and steve cook and i think philip billing is going to be the guy for them and i hope the i hope that eddie how gets the best out of his signings and yeah i think uh, have they you know, I, i don't think they've signed nathaniel klein from liverpool but like still i think yeah tyrant mings has been uh, an out for them and obviously yeah they've they've uh, obviously released lees musa to uh, you know uh, sheffield united who i think uh, can be a can be very good bit part player for uh, sheffield united considering that uh, they needed someone uh, from the premier league to play in their but like Mose was more of a bench player for them and uh, yeah so let's see how Lee Mose does for uh, Brighton then oh, sorry uh, Bone Bone then uh, then obviously you've got uh, Brighton who brought in Aaron Moy on loan and I think that was that was much necessary for their uh, midfield in my opinion because uh, I think uh brighton last season were getting dominated a lot in the midfield uh, i think pascal gross kind of uh, took a dip in form and then uh, the central defensive midfielders weren't too good and obviously uh, so you you, you can't rely, rely completely on their decent defense that obviously are lois dunk and uh, maybe sometimes uh, jose escredo uh, who obviously played sometimes like a winger and maybe uh, like a full back but like 
uh, you you can't completely rely on uh, those like defense to you know cover up your midfield so i think aaron moy is a, is a significant signing in my opinion and then they they had adam webster and neil mo neil mope from brentford and bristol so i think uh, that's a gain good for them and they've got uh, the jank goalkeeper leonardo tosart who, who i think uh, will kind of uh, compete for the starting places for with with matrain and uh, button so i think yeah so i think uh, brighton have had a decent window in my opinion but the problem is whether uh, graham potter can actually figure out a good starting lineup uh, for brighton and kind of keep them up so i think uh, i've got i still got my doubts about the formation and the best lineups and all that stuff so i think uh, it's going to be good to see how uh, brighton go about and then then we move to burnley um so jay rodriguez obviously has been a very significant signing and danny drinkwater loan so i think jay rodriguez i think uh, he was a good player at southampton very decent player he was uh, he was kind of uh, you know i think he was there from the time uh, mauricio pochettino was there at southampton something like he's one of those exciting southampton players so i think uh, but yeah obviously he he then went to west brom and there he couldn't you know actually be a very good goal scorer for them and then obviously now he's at burnley and i think he'll add more to that striking depth of chris wood and uh chris wood and you know ashley barnes and you know so he'll add to the depth in my opinion and uh yeah they they've got a couple of signings uh you know burnley as well danny drinkwater obviously so i think uh, the central midfield kind of needed some uh, you know strong you know midfield i think danny drinkwater ever since he had that title winning season with leicester i think uh, he he was an unnoticed uh, quantity in my opinion i think uh, you know right after that season some big club had to get him and give him a uh, regular game time so i think uh, i think he stayed at leicester and then chelsea brought him up and chelsea didn't use him at all and i think danny drinkwater was a was a waste of talent but i think uh, if he can do well at burnley but if he can do but if danny drinkwater can do well at burnley i think uh, he can resurrect his career like some players have done uh, uh, going to lower clubs and stuff like that so i think yeah uh, what do you think about think about drinkwater harsh yeah i actually think he's a really good player he's quite technically good and he's a good passer and that burnley midfield like desperately needed something cuz their midfield like was just there for passing the balls to wood and barnes and creating uh, crosses for them so they needed some life in that midfield and i think it's a decent signing yeah chelsea didn't want him he was eating a lot of their wages up like i think he was on 120k or something so it was great it is good for both sides and i think drinkwater uh, it can like kind of resurrect his career but uh, i don't think he's going to ever get a big move like chelsea again in his career so I hope I hope this works out for him cuz I thought he was really good for this in the title winning season and yeah that's probably my thoughts yeah so i think uh, burnley burnley i think uh, i think you know I, i'll get back to that in the uh, premier league predictions for the i mean like yeah obviously the positions i'll get back to that so i think yeah, burnley kind of good and then let's move on to chelsea so i think you know in my opinion chelsea no matter they've lost eden hazard and obviously they've lost morata 
they've lost david luiz they've lost danny drinkwater but i think uh, frank lampard has got to work something out with that youth i mean like he he has got to either just you know uh, make sure that that youth play to the full potential or um, otherwise they're going to struggle because like we've discussed this on our podcast uh, the last time we did the chelsea podcast uh, but like yeah so i think uh, frank lampard is kind of in a trouble with the backline in my opinion because like david luiz was a, was an option i won't say he was a good option but like he was an option to play uh, center back there but i think if uh, if you want to rely on christensen and zuma for uh, major majority of the season i think uh, you can't guarantee a very good season uh, but yeah still obviously we've got axpelegata and emerson but i don't fancy marcos alonso but like still and uh, then obviously the midfield is still very good and i think kovacic uh, they've secured kovacic so i think that that's the best part for them and then obviously we've got uh, christian pulisic who has to have a I have a question big... for you bro yeah 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 like, yeah, like uh, do you think uh, man united will finish above chelsea what do you think of i'll this get back of... to that i'll get back to that like let me just yeah cuz uh... i really want to discuss that cuz that's something interesting yeah. I'll get back to that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I think yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea's youth has a lot of pressure on them. I think Lampard. I hope he delivers, and I think his style of football will be something that the Chelsea fans will like. And I think yeah, this is pretty much the stuff that we discussed on our uh, podcast that we uh, recorded uh, about two weeks back. So please make sure that you check that out. Uh, so yeah. So Chelsea is pretty much done, and the only change from that podcast to now is that David Luiz is no more at the club. He's at Arsenal, and I think uh, I think that that's been something that that has affected Chelsea. And Gary Cahill yeah, is also not yeah, not there. Yeah, Gary Cahill was leaving anyway. So like, but Crystal Palace have signed him up, which I'm going to I was going to get next. So I think yeah. So uh, that was Chelsea. So let's get into Crystal Palace. James McCarthy signed from Everton. I think. Uh, you know mccarthy has been an unused player in everton and i think everton's midfield is now midfield and attack is like loaded with players i mean like uh, i don't think uh, they they had to keep so many players they had to off- offload many players and i think they did a good job by offloading mccarthy so james mccarthy and james mccarthy both are uh, at crystal palace so i think they both can kind of cover up for each other at uh, crystal palace at midfield and then you've got uh, then you've obviously got Luka Milovic which at the club still so i think palace had had have actually added one midfield option then they secured jordan ayu uh, from swansea which was pretty much going to be done uh, and they did it so fair play to them and then they brought in gary kier which is i think a very good signing in my opinion because like the backline needed some uh, recruitment in my opinion because they lost van bissaka van bissaka was doing uh, fantastic job for them in terms of uh, earning tackles and interceptions and clearances for them at right back so i think gary kehill uh, is some someone who can add more defensive cover uh, to tomkins and uh, tomkins and mamadou sako so i think uh, he 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 will be he'll be someone uh, who will actually be a good good experience signing for uh, crystal palace in my opinion and then they got victor camarasa i think uh, this guy was at uh, cardiff last season and i think uh, uh, it's good that they they probably invested and signed this guy because camarasa was kind of uh, playing regularly for cardiff city and he was he was getting those uh, you know 
he was he was doing well in my opinion so i think yeah victor cameras is good and then if you talk about outgoings uh, they've released jason punchin and julian speroni two notable names there and i think that's been that's been a loss but i think they uh, they've covered up with uh, vincent egwet and venanishi uh, in, in the goalkeeping position and obviously jason punchin is obviously covered for them and then obviously arnando saka i'll get, i'll talk about arnando saka when i get to man united so let's move on to everton what a transfer window they have had i mean like personally i would say that everton have had a better window than maybe united and uh, united and arsenal maybe yeah i think they've even had a better window than arsenal because like not in terms of the quality of players that they signed but i think the the way they've covered up positions is something that's still very good but the only only plus i think everton kind of uh, didn't have the perfect ever transfer window was uh, not securing a center back in my opinion because like center back is something that everton would like to like have in my opinion because like obviously zoom as at chelsea has to be at chelsea because chelsea don't have uh, you know players and to play at center back so i think zoom will kind of play in there uh, but like uh, Everton if you look at Michael Keane and Jagi Alga's obviously left it, uh, left for Sheffield United which is I think uh, I think yeah that had to happen because Jagi Alga was getting old so they they only got um, Michael Keane and Yari Mina and I don't, I don't even know who's uh, there apart from uh, Michael Keane and Yari Mina at Everton at centre back Holgate so, is there Mason Holgate yeah, but he, he's more like yeah. more like a right back but he's not a perfect centre back he's like basically it's two notable center backs they've got and then they yeah, like, that's that, yeah they, they had only like three center backs that they probably got then, like, and then like they've literally overloaded every single uh, position in midfield and attack in my opinion and like i don't know and like so so obviously they've signed Andre Gomez who was significant for them uh, along with uh, Adrisa Gay last season so i think yeah Andre Gomez is kind of uh, good a good securing for them uh, and they only got him for 22 million so i think that's that's kind of fair and then i think they've had a very uh, they, they've had a no brainer in bringing Jonas Lucil from Huddersfield for free and i think uh, now you're looking at a team that that has got two premier league proven goalkeepers fighting for the starting spot in the on the you know lineup i think lucil i don't necessarily want lucil to be a bench player but i think yeah when you have got someone like jordan uh, jordan pickford to compete with i think i think uh, marco silva uh, can kind of uh, rotate both goalkeepers he's got two good goalkeepers in my opinion jonas lucil has been i think primarily proven and i think uh, he'll be good and then let's talk about fabian delfo I, i just really want to know about fabian delfo i think he's obviously a next city player and he left for everton so what do you think about delfo will he do well at everton Yeah so Delph uh, in his uh, the brief time that not the brief time i think he was a good servant to the club like in that 2017 18 season he mainly played as a left back but like he'll go to Everton and he'll play as a central midfielder which is probably his position the that suits him the most and what he played for England and his uh, and West Ham who i think it was Aston Villa or West Ham i don't know who he played for before before he came to City but he played for yeah he played for Aston yeah Yeah, yeah, so as so Aston Villa, yeah, so, uh, so uh, yeah, he's a good addition. Like, but uh, I don't know, like, who is he covering for? Like, he's not 
uh, going to cover for Andre Gomez because he is like very different. He is not a ball carrier or someone. They brought him because like they knew that Idrizake was going to leave. So I think they brought him for a He is not a defensive midfielder either. Like I think he is yeah, more of a yeah. center. He's a more of a box-to-box midfielder, if you ask me. Like he'll get into yeah, the box late. Like, and... Yeah, but like still, he used to play like for CDM at Aston Villa, and like couple of times he's done that for England as well. So I think, uh, I think he's gonna play alongside Morgan Schneiderlin or maybe Andre Gomez, just like it is agreed. I don't know, but like let's see how Marco Silva goes about it. Yeah, unless they play like a three in midfield, four three three, then he can probably play in the third spot in midfield besides Andre Gomez and. The other defensive midfielder they bought it. Gavamin is his name, I guess. I, I don't remember it properly, but uh, yeah. So he can probably. John, I don't. John I don't. Philippe, John Philippe Gavamin. I think he's yeah. more like uh, a replacement in my Yeah, opinion. exactly. So yeah. Uh, I don't still know the role of Delph and why they brought him, but he didn't probably want. He was not getting game time at City anyway because of the insane midfield we have. And uh, so yeah, it was good for him to go on, and I'm happy for him. that he'll get more game time and because he's been a good servant to the club and I like him a lot as a player as well so I hope he does well at Everton and yeah let's see so Everton basically have a, have a have had a good transfer in overall yeah i think uh, gibbman and uh, moyskin moyskin in fact has been absolutely stellar signing i mean like Uh, you know, people like have have been telling like telling a lot of times that uh, Everton haven't had the perfect Romelu Lukaku replacement since he, since he left. Not in terms of the way he played, but obviously in terms of the goal outputs that uh, were needed uh, from him, like needed from Lukaku's replacement. So I think uh, Tosun has been a flop in my opinion, and I think uh, Moiskin is like kind of the guy who can. the lukaku for them and maybe two or three years i think he's got age on his side and thing he's a very exciting prospect he can, he can play on the right wing as and as a striker as well so i think they they've got loads of options and obviously alexi wobi from arsenal i mean like this was this was stunning i mean like the moment uh, arsenal announced uh, kiarantini uh, the next message i got from pranav was uh, you know david on scene just tweeted that alexi wobi was apparently agreed terms with everton so i think that was absolutely like brilliant for me so like Uh, I think Everton have made a brilliant signing, but I think they've still overloaded a lot of positions. I think now you would like to see. Uh, I think uh, we will see Richarlison and Moisey uh, in probably fighting for the striker spot, and then you have. Uh, what happens the, to uh, like what happens to Dominic Calvert-Lewin then? Where does he uh, stand? In the I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was like. Before Moisey can came uh, on, I thought he was there, nailed on starters uh, as a striker, yeah, I, but. Maybe, maybe I think uh, he might go to the Bundesliga since the other uh, like the European transfer window is still open. Maybe he might go to Bundesliga. I don't know, but like uh, yeah. So dominant, dominant Calvert Lewin. Uh, if he stays, then he's a third option. Then obviously you've got Richarlison and Moiskin, and on wings you have got Walcott, Evopi, and you have Bernard, and uh, yeah. So I think and obviously attacking midfield you have you have Sigurdsson. So. Uh, Yeah, so like Everton is loaded with options, and I think Marco Silva has got to find the best solution. But what uh, troubles me the most is that uh, beyond the first eleven, I think uh, in terms of centre back depth, they are very lacking a lot. But the midfield is absolutely amazing, and I'll say this with a pinch of pinch of salt. And some Manchester United fans who know me will you know, absolutely smash me up with this. But I think Everton have got a better midfield than Manchester United. I I simply do, but like. 
I can I can't simply judge uh, some uh, like players just because they came from a German club and they've got a very fancy name or stuff like that. But I think uh, the players that they've signed, some of the players like John Felipe. I mean, I watch a lot of a couple of Bundesliga games and I think I've I've had the look of this player and I think he's a very good signing. He's going to be a good addition for the Everton midfield. I think so. I think yeah. Uh, I think Everton have had a very good transfer window. I think for me, Everton's going to be probably in the top three or four clubs uh, to have the best transfer window in in the in this window. So I think yeah, uh, I think yeah they they've had a couple of releases. Obviously, Jagielka left, Ashley Williams left, uh, John Joe Kenny left. So I think there's that's another option that's gone for you there. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much Everton. And I think. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect the transfer window in terms of their Premier League finish. But like, let's see. Uh, so obviously next, let's just go to Leicester City. So like, everyone's been going mad about Leicester City's transfer window. Obviously, Iose Perez, Iose Perez. I think uh, he signed for uh, 30 million pounds, and I think he was actually good for Newcastle towards the end of 2018-19 season. I think uh, Ayose Perez, he was obviously uh, confirmed as of significant signing for Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers clearly mentioned that uh, he will kind of play Perez maybe on the right or, the, or maybe the left of the of the, of the the front line. And I think uh, he's going to be significant and I think uh, he'll be a good addition for uh, Brendan Rodgers' high-press system. So I think uh, Perez has been significant. Telemans, obviously, on loan, he impressed a lot. And I think... Uh, Leicester have done a very good job in securing a signing from Monaco. I think Delemans was kind of, uh, you know, waiting for the best offer possible in the transfer window. And I think uh, he had uh, Leicester's 35 million offer. That was pretty much the brilliant offer for him. I think the midfield is now very, very good. Hamza Chaudhary, Wilfred, indeed, he, uh, Yuri Delemans. And then obviously, you've got Madison, uh, Madison, Harvey Barnes, Demari Gray. Uh, and yeah, Jamie Vardy is obviously up front and along with Ayose Perez now. So, and they also sent Dennis Pratt from uh, Sampdoria for 18 million pounds. Uh, so basically, that's another another you know significant addition to uh, Brendan Rodgers' uh, midfield because like Danny Pratt, I think he's a, he's a, he's kind of a young like he's a mid 20 player in my opinion. I think so. Yeah, if I'm not wrong, but like. He's a very good player, and I think they've, I think they've, uh, they've, they've pretty much done as good as Everton maybe, but like yeah, so Harry Maguire obviously has been a big loss for them, and I think uh, I uh, the initially what I thought was that when Harry Maguire will un- will be announced as a Manchester United player, Leicester might just uh, take that money and. Uh, go for uh, Ruben Diaz of Benfica because he's got a 60 million release clause and I think uh, they might sign him as a replacement and I think that would have been a very very stunning deal but instead they inquired for some English talent just like not English uh, Premier League proven talent I think yeah Nathan Ake they went for uh, and obviously they asked for James Sarkowski so like the initial thought when I like when I saw uh, uh, like Nathan Ake was like ruled out because his price tag was 75 million pounds and that was ridiculous. I mean, like, how can you just like impose any any kind any sort of a price tag on some player who's like basically playing for a club that finishes in the bottom half uh, apparently? So yeah, so Nathan Ake's 75 million price tag was like ridiculously 
shit anadanka yeah and then james sakowski again uh, 45 million was asked for him and i think he's only had like one decent season in the premier league so i think that was too much for him in my opinion so i think uh, yeah so jim both both those signings that don't happen and i think lest now have to like adjust somehow in the center back depth so but still they, they've got a very good first 11 and i think they will do decent can i make can i make like can i make a controversial opinion here yeah i think with uh, lester have the third best midfield in the premier league uh, even better than spurs no better than like uh, first is city second is spurs and third is lester uh, and uh, liverpool's uh, dif- uh, midfield is I'm, i'm talking only in terms of like talent because liverpool's midfield is really effective but i think lester's midfield like that three of madison telemans and ndd is just seriously insane it just it, it, it must scare like anyone like think of uh, like uh, i would like to have your opinion like think if uh, mid uh, manchester united and leicester city switched midfields like would you be happy absolutely <laughs> so yeah so like that's probably my controversial opinion and uh, yeah we'll get on to leicester more when we do our predictions because i have a surprise yeah i think um, yeah obviously i would have the whole of leicester's midfield rather than having the united midfield but uh, obviously i would i will still have pogba in the united midfield so yeah so that's that's the only exception to that so like let's move on to liverpool and it's better not talk to better not to talk much about liverpool because like they have been incredibly quiet and i think klopp just made it clear that the club did not want to kind of fall into a financial fair play trap and uh, they did not they they don't have a position of spending uh, like a ridiculous amount of money just like man city or maybe uh, maybe aston villa united now so i think like klopp kind of made a controversial opinion there uh, along with like Klopp obviously made that controversial opinion that we can't spend like City and like Pep was kind of annoyed by it, uh, but like still Liverpool have got the money at, at, and I think uh, they should have invested in players, but I think I don't think they will do that this season. Maybe they might try and promote their young players through, and they've obviously got some players as backup, but uh, yeah, I think. They they've signed Adrian, which is like a, a viable option for them. Uh, if like Simon Minyoli has left the club, so I think that's good. I think uh, Alberto Moreno has been released. Daniel Sturridge has been released. Uh, uh, you know, then obviously Harry Wilson has gone on loan. So I, I think that's pretty much Liverpool's transfer window. But I think uh, yeah, I think if the if Klopp can still manage to like. play the first 11 for maximum number of games i think he can still kind of have a team ready for a small title challenge but like i think if uh, like the the midfields that are like the midfields that have been kind of re- reignited i know reignited not a right word but like the midfields that have been strengthened this summer if they kind of come at liverpool really hard with the best i think liverpool are going to struggle maybe but i think uh, still klopp can kind of manage klopp can definitely manage a top 3 finish in my opinion definitely with that team i think he's done even better with versus squads because that's jurgen klopp's quality as a manager but like 
still i think they can't win the title i don't think so they they haven't won the title since la- since the last 30 years and i don't think i don't think even this season they can do that and i think yeah we'll get into the liverpool predictions later on so yeah so let's let's just uh, man city now let's so let's just move on to man city so what should i say about man city when like Rodri, I saw him uh, in the preseason games, and obviously in the Community Shield that happened uh, before the start of the 2019-20 season against Liverpool. I think he was. You know, I, I actually like liked uh, initially uh, what he did. I mean, like he was breaking up the play really fast, and I think he was spreading out the balls really well. Uh, you know, to David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne into the midfield challenge, and I think. Uh, De Bruyne was looking deadly with uh, Rodri behind him and like he was getting forward with more intent and like that because like Pep whenever Fernandinho was playing alongside De Bruyne and David Silva I think Pep Pep I think uh, you know he he liked uh, De Bruyne to kind of track back a little bit and do that dirty defensive work a little bit and now I think with Rodri you've got more uh, you've got a more fast like you've got a faster player and you obviously have uh, obviously have got a better distributor in my opinion i think uh, uh, because i think rodri can be a better distributor than fernandinho i think uh, he, and obviously he's faster than fernandinho so i think de bruyne uh, de bruyne can kind of focus more on his attacking game and i think rodri rodri's uh, ability to break up the play and just uh, spread passes to the attack is something that's really really significant to man city's uh, you know midfield and attack and i think uh, 63 million pound is quite about right for uh, someone like rodri uh, in this market and angelino i think yeah they needed some left back over to benjamin mendy and zinchenko so i think they've got them and kyle walker i think uh, the reason why i think it was about i think it was you who was telling that that uh, probably uh, walker will play as a right back and maybe jao cancelo will play as a left back so but like yeah so but like jao cancelo is like the best right back signing i mean like it's even if you take it if you take it in terms of attacking signing i think it's a better signing than aaron van bissaka but like uh, but but the problem with jao cancelo is that he can't defend like kyle walker kyle walker is a better defender than jao cancelo but i think uh, jao cancelo if if pep plays him in that you know high pressing attacking style like the high line of defense if he plays if he projects his full backs wide and like uh, forward and i think that jao cancelo is going to be a deadly player because like his crossing is way better than fernandinho and i think uh, sorry not fernandinho kyle walker and i think uh, i think yeah jao cancelo attacking wise it's it's just a brilliant pep signing and obviously they've got scott carson on loan uh, from derby I don't know who Scott Carson is. Uh, to be honest, on no comments. But I think, yeah. So talking about the Danilo swap for Jao Cancelo, I think that's been the most ridiculous swap I've ever seen. I mean, like, I I, I think you know Juventus probably you know wanted to replace Jao Cancelo, but I think I'm sure they they wanted to replace him with a better right back. And I think Danilo. I don't think that uh, he'll be a good. Uh, Jao Cancelo replacement at Juventus, but I think uh, you know I think I think you know City have had the better deal. Just just to finish it up, like I think City have City have had the better deal and Jao Cancelo and Danilo swapping, and I think uh, City have had a bargain 
because like yeah because i think they paid about 30 million and they offered uh, danilo to them and i think uh, marit jasari probably has been smoking something really bad to just accept that deal and, and i think juventus let me just like divert for the topic from just a moment like juventus i don't know why but like they had been like making some weird deals like debal and lukaku swapping and obviously uh, selling the jao cancelo for uh, in, instead of danilo so they have, they have made some really weird deals in my opinion in the transfer window so i think yeah so let's not just get into that and i think vincent company has left and i think he's not been replaced as a center back because like he was a leader and i think uh, now the uh, the honors will be on uh, amerik laporte in my opinion because like he's been your standout center back uh, last season in all competitions and i think he's got to take the charge as a center back leader and i think he's got to lead the backline well so let's just get into Manchester United. Okay. So should I even talk about it? Like, can I can I not skip this part? Like, man, like, come on, I don't wanna. Okay, still, let's just go. So, Manchester United. What do I say? I mean, like, look, like every blind person in the world knows one thing. United have got a good defense, a very good goal. Like, the probably the. top five goalkeeper one of the top five goalkeepers in the world uh, and i'm sure david the higher will get back into his form and like uh, when he signs the new contract and like he'll be again one of the best goalkeepers in the world definitely so back four and goalkeeper manchester united is like damn settled man like that's the best thing but like if you look at the midfield people have okay i don't want to rant okay because firstly uh, ranting and moaning is not going to achieve anything ultimately it's going to still be same i mean like the midfield is still going to remain the same even after my ranting and oligan solsha is still going to be at the club that's the that's the main point but but uh, scott mctominay andres pereira fred Nemanja Matic. I don't even want to consider Nemanja Matic in that midfield, but like Nemanja Matic, Fred, Andres Pereira, Scott McTominay, maybe James Conner. They are not, you know, on paper, on paper, they are not probably the best midfield combinations in the Premier League. That midfield, if you put that midfield, maybe in a Bur- a Burnley or a Bournemouth, they'll be finishing easily outside top ten. I mean, like that's not that's not a Premier League quality midfield in my opinion. Which I which I absolutely hate to see as a Manchester United fan because like fans have literally slugged me off and say that back your club, back your manager, back your players. I mean like they are decent players. They've come through the Manchester United academy and all that stuff, you know. But on 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 a note, I mean like I I'm definitely sure. Like look, uh, United are gonna play 38 Premier League games. United are gonna play about. Uh, You know, including the Premier League games, Carabao Cup games, FA Cup games, and Europa League games, United are United are maybe gonna play playing around like 50 to 60 games one season. So now you're gonna tell me that Scott McTominay, Andres Pereira, Fred, and Paul Pogba, those four midfielders can just run like anything, like play to the best of abilities for those 60 games. Come on, man! Like they can't play uh, like. they can't play like world class players for 60 games straight to like have a decent season for manchester united okay obviously like if ole gunnar solskjaer is able to kind of produce the best talents out of these players then maybe you can you can say that united have got a good shot at maybe fourth if if 
if I say if repeatedly because I think um, it's kind of very uncertain about Manchester United, like what's going to be the team, who's going to play regularly. Like Oli has said many things in his uh, in his press conferences and before the transfer window, like you know you you you're, you're gonna. You're gonna see a complete ruthless club. I mean, like he said that uh, you'll be surprised by the quality of players that are gonna come in, and I'm not surprised. Unfortunately, I know I know it's not his fault. It's obviously Edward Wood's fault uh, for not able to ne- for not being able to negotiate proper deals, uh, along with Matt Judge. And obviously, he said, uh, you know, I'm gonna be successful at this club. Some of these players won't be here. Uh, won't be here in that part of the journey. Nemanja Matic is still here. One matters probably still. Yeah, one matters still here. He just got a new contract. Good. And Ashley Young is still here. Phil Jones is still here. Chris Smalling, I don't wanna, I don't wanna include in that list because like I think he's a good backup and he's good in the air. So like you still and Alexis Sanchez, most most importantly, the dog walker slash piano player, he's here. So. Where is the Deadwood gone? I obviously Romelu Lukaku's exit is like very significant in my opinion. Like it's it's a very ruthless step by Oli that players who don't wanna don't have the heart to play at this club shouldn't be here. But obviously that contradicts to Paul Pogba. But United's midfield is thin. Like any blind person can see that. But like if if you if you're gonna no yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to one of those points that I was telling there. If you're gonna you know, tell that Leicester City midfield to absolutely press and man mark every single Manchester United midfield player. That Manchester United midfield is dead, dead as anything. Like you just tell two or three players to just go and have a man marking job on Pogba. That midfield is gone. That that's sadly gone. So, so like, look, this moaning and ranting won't do anything. And ultimately, so what what's the best thing that's available? The best thing that's available is the the current players that are available, and and the best thing available is hope. Nothing other than hope is available right now. So, so the best thing that I can hope is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can manage to get the best out of these Manchester United squad players for the majority of the season, so that we have a decent season and maybe our board can try and work their uh, you know, work their work their deals in the next summer, and United can actually you know be better during the rebuild. So what I can expect of Manchester United is look, obviously back for a back four is like totally sorted out. Aaron Van Bissaka has been a bargain. I mean, like I, you know, just I just watched one preseason game of Aaron Van Bissaka and I thought like this guy's a bargain, just a bargain, you know. End of story. Like Aaron Van Bissaka is the best right back that we have got, we could have got in the market. That would have absolutely cemented the place and like be as solid as he is. So Van Bissaka, hats off. Harry Maguire. Okay, so, yeah, so the one point I'm, I'm gonna tell that Pranav probably was telling uh, before in this podcast was it's nothing to do with the manager about the, uh, the about the price of a player i mean like if a player is going to cost you 80 million or 100 million pounds it's nothing to do with the manager or the fans uh, in general you know because if a manager wants a player at a club then he should just get him i mean like he should be just minding his own business and he he should be like i just want this player at the club you just get me him i don't care about the price i don't care about what the uh, what the club demands i mean like 
just get me the player and i'll work out uh, well with that player and obviously uh, i'll progress with the club I mean, he's part of my plans and i want him that's what a manager should be doing but what i absolutely don't agree to many people and many um, especially on the sunsha i don't agree with solshar and many people as that people have been moaning about the price tag that we probably paid about paid about 20 30 million extra for harry maguire uh, making him the world's most expensive defender and obviously solshar came out saying uh, before we signed maguire that we don't we don't have to overpay as manchester united but let me tell you this like why is even ole gunnar solshar bothered about uh, harry maguire's price tag he just wanted harry maguire and he got harry maguire so like better better build a backline with harry maguire and aaron ramsaka and just get going with it why do you care about how much money edward wood and the glazers have spent on someone so yeah so the point being is that obviously the market is inflated and the inflation of the market uh, is obviously the inflation of the market is something that has to be looked after by the by the recruit transfer recruitment committee like the transfer recruitment uh, people people in charge of transfers they have to look at the, you know the people I mean, they have to look look at the inflation and stuff like that the money is their part the manager just needs a player and he has to work with it so that's a manager's job and the obviously the club has got to obviously work with the teams and daniel james okay obviously this guy has been like a very very uh, exciting young signing i mean like, i i was i was absolutely excited by his pace so i think like he's 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 one of the fastest players that we've got in the squad but the only problem with this guy but the only problem with this guy is that uh, his he's obviously from the championship and he's very raw so i think we have to develop him into a player who who can put in very good final balls and obviously we have to develop his finishing a bit so i think if we can sort that out out of that daniel james and i think we have got a very good player in daniel james because like if you if you have looked at the way he kind of played in the preseason i know it's only preseason but like it's too harsh uh, to judge someone like on preseason you know in in good terms or bad terms but like daniel james if you look at him like the way he runs with the ball from front to back it's just mind boggling he he's very 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 fast with the ball and i think that's something that will absolutely be vital for united and solshar especially uh, if daniel james is going to be a bench player regular bench player for united so i think uh, i think that's been a good signing so talking about the morning in the midfield okay i'm i have to moan it because like we don't have a proper midfield so you're going to tell me that you know you have to believe in andres perara you have to believe in scott mcdominay of course god damn it i'm going to believe them because if i don't believe that my players are going to play well how will i support the club man like that's that's logical so obviously when manchester united is going to play on that football pitch i i will definitely hope that andres perara has a man, uh, has man of the match performance or maybe scott mcdominay has a world class performance i would definitely hope that but the reason why i'm moaning is because i've watched these players play and obviously i know that it's too harsh uh, on it's too harsh for me to judge them uh, at a very you know a very young age like uh, you know like they're only 23 24 about that like that i mean like then they're not entering into the development stage but like yeah still it's too harsh for me to judge them uh, considering that they they've just broken into the team from the academy but like uh, i think uh i think yeah in in terms of believing in these players i think i will definitely believe in them i would definitely want uh you know them to succeed at the club and talking about the manchester united lineup obviously uh 
obviously yeah so back four is obviously settled uh pogba and mctominay have to play because i don't want matic to play at all so mctominay or fred maybe uh and obviously i want to see andreas perera playing in that number 10 role this is kind of controversial but like yeah this is not kind of controversial but this is kind of uh you know this is kind of Uh, something that i noticed during preseason against tottenham hotspur like andres perera played in that number 10 role and he was like very good with his deliveries and like uh, plays through the channel and link up plays with the striker with uh, rashford and not not rashford uh, greenwood and marshall and like he's got a very good set piece delivery and very good crossing so i think andres perera has to you know i think he has got he's got to be given a chance uh, at that number number 10 position because i think he will be a good player uh, there so i think yeah and apart from that angel gomez should get more game time mason greenwood should have a breakout season and uh, obviously anthony marshall and rashford have to deliver at any cost if manchester united have got to save their asses this season like they have got to deliver at any damn cost so um apart from that uh yeah so romelu lukaku yeah, yeah so, uh, let, let, can i ask you a question like yeah let me just uh, say one thing so apart about romelu lukaku's departure i want to say something interesting like look lukaku just went and like manchester united are thin in their uh, striking department so like we don't have proven strikers obviously marshall's going to play at number 9 this season which is absolutely exciting because i want to see him there roxley rashford is there and mason greenwood can come in any time at right wing left wing and only they said that he's going to play a lot and probably score a lot of goals but please manchester united fans if you if you're listening to this podcast just please don't be too expectative of mason greenwood this season to just like replace romelu lukaku with all those goals because like look i am i'm like i am 18 years old right now and mason greenwood is 5 months younger than me so like i am like sitting here like a jobless asshole recording podcast and that guy is like that guy is literally breaked into manchester united first team although uh, there was one thing one article out about him that he doesn't he still does not believe that he's he's worthy to be manchester yeah as i was just telling that uh, mason greenwood you know i am doing podcast here at the age of 18 and mason greenwood is like 5 months younger to me so basically he's he's broken into the manchester united team literally and like he doesn't believe it still but like he's literally broken into that manchester united first team he's got a very good left foot and a very good right foot just at 70 he bangs free kicks from long ranges and he can score those long range bullets and stuff like that so you you don't please please don't expect mason greenwood to be a world class replacement to lukaku not world class i mean like the, the perfect lukaku replacement but like just be just be easy on him if you're listening to this manchester united fans that's what i would like just to like just i would i would just like to tell that about him so yeah that's our that's that's just i mean i can keep speaking about united for like a lifetime but like that's what basically i would like to see about united yeah so you were going to ask me something yeah so like yeah so you mentioned your midfield but don't you see your attack and thing like it's very fragile like if if like marcus rashford gets injured in the first 10 game weeks like i i hope it doesn't ha- happen for the sake of your season but like your season is literally over like you're not going to finish top 4 by even a stretch of an imagination 
and like you mentioned yeah mason greenwood yeah like you shouldn't put pressure on him and he's only 17 and he's really good but you can't expect him to step up like if rashford gets injured and bang in goals so uh, like do you think your attack is fragile or do you think you're fine in the attack uh look um so basically martial is going to play more as a number 9 this season maybe rashford might play as on the left more i mean like all is definitely going to play a front three that is going to be interchangeable but like point i uh, yeah, coming to the point so basically uh, like uh, i i actually recently spoke to one of the manchester united fans and i uh, asked him about the thin midfield and stuff like that and he told me look i am not worried about the midfield and i am actually worried about the attack it's uh, because like marcus rashford and anthony martial both have been very inconsistent ever since they've been manchester united players i mean like they never had that breakout breakout season like with total consistency and stuff like that so they've never had consistent seasons as of now so like they've had very inconsistent seasons and he told me that midfield is obviously a little weak without pogba but if the strike line if the front line does not score goals enough goals then i think we are even screwed like we we screwed from the front line not from the midfield basically so i think that was kind of a valid point because uh, i think uh, because i think if you look at jurgen klopp yeah because that guy basically took the example of jurgen klopp when klopp came to liverpool he did not have a world class midfield and he brought in uh, jorginho wijnaldum from a relegated newcastle team and he had uh, jordan henderson from before and then he probably had adam lanan and philip coutinho on there already so like he did not have a world class midfielder uh, world beating midfield already when he was there he worked out with mediocre players and he made a very good midfield out of it because that's his managerial strength so so all you're going to solve if he if he's got to deal with the midfield problem then he's obviously got to make sure that he nurtures that midfield uh, up to so much extent that maybe even if pogba gets injured that midfield can kind of manage to you know uh, win matches or maybe scrape points uh, out of any out of nothing and obviously the strike line has to be very consistent and obviously i agree with you if rashford gets uh, if rashford gets injured i think uh, that's a big big problem if martial gets injured that's a big problem but then obviously uh, oli kind of entered in this press conference that alexis sanchez you can't get rid of him so i think you got to play him and i think the best position that any fan right now would uh, like alexis sanchez to see is the central uh, is is the false nine role i mean like i have been crying a lot to uh, say to oli and all the manchester united fans like look if alexis sanchez was to be given a second or a third chance it has got to be given at the false nine position because i still think his build up plays were way better than romelu lukaku and he can you know because like a center forward does not need to be the fastest of the players a winger in the modern fo- modern footballing generation has to be really fast and really fit and really you know uh, quick to getting the balls and i uh, know he's he's got to be really sharp in my opinion so uh, alexis sanchez is no more that player so obviously it's only the center forward position that's left you know he played uh, there towards the end of his arsenal career a lot uh, until lacazette came and the winger uh and i think uh, at united ollie ollie as just like i said in the press conference he has to be given that false nine false nine role and if if uh, you know like someone like a pogba or a dalot maybe a, a player who can put in good crosses crosses into the box he can alexis sanchez can maybe can maybe he can do a job and i think i i definitely hope that uh, in, in the striker crisis alexis sanchez comes in at that center forward position does something for this club 
because that's what ultimately uh, you want from a Manchester United player as long as he's there at the club. So that's 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 for me. So let's just quickly move on then. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about Newcastle. Obviously, uh, the disaster of their window was the outgoing of Solomon. Not not Solomon. So, no, not so much Solomon Rondon, but Rafa Benitez. That was a disaster for them because like. He he would have been the best ever manager they would have ever got in this current scenario, and like they lost him. They lost him because they they did not want to renew his contract. And I am definitely sure that Benitez would have been like, uh, you know what? I I need proper backing from the club. Otherwise, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave to a club that's going to give me money and you know back me as a manager and give me good wages and stuff like that. So they've basically. they basically lost uh, a a champions league winning manager and they brought in like steve bruce of sheffield wednesday which is i don't think steve bruce is as credible as a manager as rafa benitez is obviously they they are miles apart and every newcastle fan is pissed off about it but i think uh, mike ashley as much as he has been criticized by uh, people like true jordi and other newcastle fans that i've seen this uh, this time uh, this summer they've still made some like significant signings they've obviously brought in uh, saint maxim from nice for 20 million they obviously brought andy carroll on deadline day so basically carroll came back home on uh, the deadline day and the most significant signing for them has been joelton from hoffenheim and they bloody invested 40 million pounds in joelton which is if i'm not wrong that's the club record fee for newcastle and so i think uh, and obviously uh, iose perez went off but almiron also they signed for them uh, last time so i think uh, if steve bruce has you know he's got to find out a best 11 and he's got to figure out something some tactic or something that would actually keep newcastle and the premier league i think steve bruce i am not sure, i'm not so sure about his managerial credibility and credentials but i think newcastle still have made some signings like people uh, newcastle fans literally were like we haven't had any good signings or significant signings but i think if i look at that transfer list i think they've got some signings i think they have andy carran and if he can stay fit then i think uh, newcastle will uh, will kind of will kind of be good so what do you think about newcastle arsh yeah so the loss of rafa benitez is absolutely colossal like you got one of the best managers in the game and you just let him go and uh, then you uh, like i don't know like if you if you would have given if you have asked uh, like said to sorry rafa benitez that i'm going to get you joelington and saint maximin from uh, uh, nice and uh, then uh, but uh, i don't think it, do, you, do you know the reason why rafa left was it because of the transfers or because of his contract individually apparently yeah apparently his contract was like up so like i think he did not want to renew it because like he was not sure that uh, he's going to he was get uh, backing from uh, the newcastle board so i think that's the reason why he left oh yeah so still uh, like uh, may i thought he was maybe too guarded about the loss of rondon who was great for him last summer but still like they they made like i don't like steve bruce as a i think he's better as a championship manager and uh, but there's the signings are good like i, I like jolington he was great for ofenheim but he had one of the best managers uh, like in the world currently uh they had ofenheim i don't know how much steve bruce is going to uh, cater to him and his style of play and uh, 
Saint Maximin was good at Nice, and uh, like that front three is like to- totally good. Like it's probably a, a top ten, top three, a uh, top ten front three in the Premier League. Like Almiron, uh, Jolington, and uh, Saint Maximin is quite good. So like their their attack is quite good, but it's their midfield that really uh, concerns me. Like their best midfielder is probably John Joe Shelby, and uh, he is not that great so that midfield like really lacks creativity um, and uh, yeah so like they they've done some good business but i don't think it's going to be good enough to keep them up uh, yeah i kind of agree with you like yeah, i actually loved of when you said that uh, john joe shelby is probably the best midfielder available because yeah, they literally yeah sean long is obviously there because like united have been kind of heavily linked with them and i really want to see how sean long does because like he literally played nine games for newcastle last season and like united were like we want this guy we were ready to pay 30 million for him and i was like what do you have you seriously scouted this player for you know even getting him for 30 million so I, i'm going to have a look at sean long and john yeah I'm going to look at him. So that was about uh, Newcastle. So let's just move on to the next club. And it is obviously Norwich City. So, yeah. So basically, they, yeah, Norwich City, I think they had a very good, ma- they have a very good manager. I, I haven't researched much about, much about it, but like they've got a manager who's won like three titles somewhere. So like they've got a credible manager. And obviously, they brought in Joseph Grimmage from Borussia Mönchengladbach, Patrick Roberts from Manchester City on a season-long loan. And as Prana was mentioning earlier in the podcast, uh, Ralph Farman is uh, one of the most uh, you know significant goalkeepers and consistent goalkeepers in Bundesliga. And they've got him on loan from Schalke, which is absolutely brilliant. And obviously, they've got uh, Ibrahim Amadou from uh, Sevilla. So I think they've had a decent window in Norwich. And I think the manager is someone who... Uh, is kind of uh, rated a lot by the fans. So I think, yeah, so I think Newcastle there. So, do you think Harsh Newcastle will survive relegation and stay up in the Premier League this season? So, they were really good in the championship, Norwich. Like, they, prob- they were, they probably got the most goals. And the squad is like really good. The two fullbacks, Max Aarons and Jamal Lewis, like I mentioned to you, like, uh, how good they are and like Max Aarons was probably United's second choice behind Aaron Van Bissaka if they couldn't get him and uh, yeah so he's a great he's a good right back and in the midfield you look at uh, Pundia uh, who, pro- who provides the assist to Timo Puki for yesterday's goal and he's a good Argentine uh, midfielder you got Stiperman, who is yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've heard a lot about Pookie. There was there's apparent apparently there's this uh, Pookie fan club. I think Pookie. I don't I don't know where this Pookie guy has come, but like he's been very very uh, you know uh, talked about. I mean like there's this Pookie army and stuff like that. So I think I, I've heard a lot about Pookie. Yeah, like he got 29 goals in the championship, like which is no mean feat. He was probably top scorer. Oh, uh, I think it was a good race between Tammy Abraham and him. I don't know who got the most more goals, but he was probably up there in the top two. But yeah, so the, their midfield is they have some good talent uh, divided in the squad, and their manager is like really good. Like last year, if I watched them in the championship, they were by far and away the one of the two best teams, along with Leeds United. Leeds United, of course, couldn't come up sadly, but uh, they they play a really attractive kind of football, and uh, they play the kind of uh, 
they also released adrian and he carried samir nazir samir nazri and obviously uh, yeah they released lucas perez as well so pedro biang as well so yeah so pablo fonals and sebastian hala that's 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 two two significant signings and i think they've been making such uh, you know signings such signings of like uh, unknown caliber from not unknown caliber i mean like such surprise signings from quite a time now and philip anderson was one then now Pablo Fonals and uh, Sebastian Hala obviously as Pranav said earlier in the podcast uh, you know they've got uh, they've got Manuel Lanzini coming back and then Declan Rice is kind of developing into a player and Mark Noble might have a season more uh, in his tank left probably and yeah so you look and obviously Isa Diop at the back and uh, you know Ryan Fredericks might have a breakout season in my opinion and uh, Bona maybe may uh, good for them at left back along with Aaron Cresswell and uh, Yeah, so Isar Diop along with Balbana, that's, that's settled. And obviously Fabianski is there. So I think West Ham, you know, the first team is kind of dangerous and like is very good in my opinion. But uh, yeah, let's see what, what happens with West Ham and, uh, and, you know, what happens with them. So you just spoke about West Ham. Yeah, so let's just move on to Watford then. So firstly... let's let's just let me just talk about ismaila sar because pranav was obviously mentioning about it and we both were discussing about this player moving potentially to arsenal in the transfer window and i think ismaila sar and uh, malang sar are brothers because like they both are barking players when you play those football manager and fifa games so yeah so i think uh, he he signed from ren for 30 million pounds and i think ismaila sar if if roberto pereira is not able to deliver stuff for watford then i think ismaila sar will step up to the plate and deliver stuff so i think that's the that's the main reason why i think they got a significant uh, wingers wing signing i think now they've got a very good strike a strike force that that could actually be a stra- surprise strike force in the premier league and they, they can actually uh, you know 
batter teams uh, quite heavily. You know, they've got Gerard Delafu, who I think if he can stay fit, then he's a very good proven Premier League player and he scores a lot of goals and stuff like that. And then you've got uh, Danny Welbeck. And look, if Danny Welbeck stays fit, and, and I see there's a lot about many players, like if injuries had not, exist, had not existed, then probably you, had, you would have had many, many brilliant players in the world of football today. So I think Danny Wellback would have been one of those players. Like, if he can stay fit, and I think Watford had an absolute steal by signing Danny Wellback for free. I mean, he can actually he can actually score goals. Like, I've, I'm still at Arsenal from the bench. He was a very effective player, and I think I think they've they've done themselves a good favor by signing Daniel back wasn't free. And then obviously you have Craig Dawson from West Ham, West Brom coming in. So yeah, that's kind of good. So what do you have to say about Watford? Watford Hush. Watford was a surprise package of the Premier League last year. Of course, reached the FA Cup final. Even though they were battered by City, it's no it's no mean feat to reach there. And uh, yeah, Ismail Asar, great signing, great player. Seen a lot of. Links to him. Uh, he was especially good for Ren in the Europa League when they beat Arsenal. I thought he was good uh, when he played. He had a lot of pace about him. And uh, yeah, that that just looks like a great attack. Like if you have Diolofeu, if you have Bobby Pereira, if you have Ismail Assar. And yeah, that, that just looks like a very pacey and exciting attack to watch. And um, But their attack, uh, sorry, their striking, uh, it, it just not, it's not uh, like convincing enough for me like Danny Welbeck you said that if injuries would have not existed he would have got he would have had a sensational career but injuries do exist and he's still a lot injury prone and uh, if he can play like if he plays 20 even 20 games a season that'll be a huge plus for Watford and uh, Freudini is good but he's not that great so if they would have kind of got a good enough striker then I thought I think they would have been nailed on for a top 10 finish but now with this kind of squad, I see them. Uh, they they did really well to uh, uh, keep hold of Abdul at Dukore, but uh, even though there was interest from Everton, so that was that was one thing that was great about the transfer window that they managed to keep hold of Kapu and uh, Dukore, even though there was interest from other clubs. Uh, so uh, yeah, like I said, this uh, if they were, if they would have got a, a good striker, I would have put them in top ten, like sure, but. I don't. I think they'll be uh, finishing in the bottom half of the table. So, yeah, good transfer window, but uh, not a, not one uh, like if they would have got a good striker, it would have been a great great transfer window. So, yeah. Yeah. So let me just uh, let me just quickly discuss about Sheffield United and Southampton. So Sheffield, I think obviously I have many see them as a relegation candidate, and I think I do I see them as well. Because like Jagiel Kalis, Musa and Don Anderson on loan from Manchester United. That's been the three significant signings this window. And I think uh, yeah, so uh, I think Chris Wilder is their manager. I don't know the, his name, but like, yeah. So basically, they did quite well to compete with Norwich in the Champions League, uh, Championship last season and get promotion. But I think Premier League, if you look at the squad, I, I don't see some genuine quality that would uh, help them survive in the Premier League. And I think uh, it would just take a miracle for them to just maybe just uh, pull off a survival. So that's over them. And like, then let's just move on to Southampton. So Southampton, in my opinion, can be the surprise package of this Premier League because, like, I think uh, they've got some exciting young uh, attacking players, like, as usual, from like from a l- really long time. Like, uh, obviously, 
uh, Nathan Redmond, who I think has still not fulfilled his potential. Then obviously uh, you've got uh, you've hired uh, you have Danny Ings and Shane Long, and obviously the midfield pair Pierre Emil Hoiberg. Mario Lemina, like you've got players there, and obviously Jan Valery will have a good season, in my opinion. So I think, uh, and obviously Yannick Westergaard is there, and they've signed uh, Chi Adams, obviously. So yeah, so they they obviously uh, I think, uh, and obviously Musa Depano is also some player has, that has come into Southampton. So I think uh, yeah, Ralph Hasenhutl is a very attacking manager of Leipzig that came to Southampton. I think the recruitment of Hasenhutl has been something that that has been more significant to Southampton's uh, probably window. So I think that's that's something uh, that will actually help Southampton uh, you know finish more higher up the table than most people expect to. So I think Southampton will have a surprise season in my opinion. So and let me just move on to Tottenham because her Harsh obviously spoke about Tottenham. So let me just speak about mine. Initially, when they announced Tangi and Dembele and Dembele, so I was absolutely surprised because I was like, Danny Levy is probably thinking about not signing any player because he's got a he's got a fulfill his stadium debt. And then that guy went out and he spent 65 million euros on Tangi and Dembele and he brought him from Lyon. That was a no-brainer, no-brainer of a signing. I think he's a very good Moussa Dembele replacement, and I think he will he will be an absolutely brilliant signing in the Premier League. And he's got some creativity as well. So I think, and obviously breaking up the play and feeding it to Kane, Ali, and Lucas Moura and so on. That's that's going to be something very brilliant to see from Ndombele because he's he's absolutely uh, a destroyer in the midfield in my opinion. And then. Talk about Giovanni Lucel. So he was obviously linked from a long, 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 long time to Spurs. But initially, when uh, initially when you know uh, initially when uh, I saw the news, uh, it was like Tottenham had agreed a 55 million euro deal uh, to sign Giovanni Lucel. So, but it was uh, but as soon as he signed, I just read the news and it was like they signed him on a season-long loan. And then they have they have an option of extending uh, the buying him permanently for some 45 million or something like that. So, but that I would like. Some people said that you know, actually that's a very good uh, that's a very good strategy because like if, if a player flops, uh, then you you have the option to just send him back to his club and uh, buy someone else. And you know that's that's actually something positive. I mean, like obviously many people, especially United fans, suggested that in the case of Bruno Fernandes. Uh, because we genuinely wanted him, and I think he was necessary for the midfield. Uh, but I think, uh, but the way I see it is like you can't really judge some foreign players uh, just in one season in the Premier League. I think you need to give some time, give them some time to settle in. I mean, uh, I mean, there have been many, many players who uh, you know who have taken some time to you know settle in the first season, and then in the second season, from the second season, they have been absolutely brilliant for the clubs. So I think Lucelle, so it's kind of controversial to say whether Spurs have done the right thing to just get him on loan initially and then buy him later. Uh, just controversial. But I think Lucelle has been absolutely brilliant. But one thing I would definitely would like to say is that if, if Spurs fans think and if other fans think that Lucelle is going to be a direct straight in replacement for Christian Eriksen, then 
absolutely they've they're completely wrong because like the creativity levels i know still losels is kind of developing and is not reached its prime form yet but i think uh, if they think that losels is kind of a direct replacement to erickson then they probably uh, expected too much from the kid i mean like he's a very talented uh, brilliant argentine midfielder who can absolutely play brilliantly as a box to box midfielder intercept stuff and score goals but i, I don't think he's still uh the perfect christian erickson replacement because like christian erickson's creativity levels are something way more than ajivan uh, loselso and obviously i, I know they taught number after uh, bruno fernandes because uh they wanted uh, to play loselso and and dumbele and the 4231 and obviously bruno fernandes ahead of them that would have been that would have been probably the best midfield in the premier league behind city obviously but uh, i think Yeah, but still, I think Loselso is a very, very good signing, and I think Spurs can build on that midfield from next season. Obviously, this front, the, obviously they signed Ryan Sessegnon, who can play in the front line, obviously in the back line. I, I, but I think uh, Pochettino wants to convert him into a left back, and I think, uh, uh, I think if he wants, he can do it, just like Pranav said. But I think uh, what I think of Sessegnon is that uh, maybe some fans, some Spurs fans, might compare him to Gareth Bale. that gareth bale was initially a left wing a left back and then he was converted into winger and he became a world class player uh, at real madrid so i think maybe spurs fans might think that way about haran uh, sesenyon but i think uh, pochettino has brought him for his defensive depth in my opinion and i think uh, sesenyon might be a good signing in my opinion so uh, obviously they're outgoings kieran trippier is the most weirdest transfer i've ever seen because like Why would Atletico Madrid even sign a Tottenham Hotspur flop? I mean, like Kieran Trippier, arguably had his worst season ever at Tottenham last season because, like, he was terribly inconsistent and is like he literally was Ashley Beatek Ashley Young in my opinion because like Tottenham fans were literally slating him and they wanted a new right back because like Sir Jorge was a walking red card and uh, no, uh, Kieran Trippier was not good. So I think. they got rid of him but like they have to rely heavily on walker peters and you one for it so let's see how the backline fares for spurs then and obviously let's just wrap up the podcast by wolves so wolves have got a very very good midfield uh, definitely dan donker and uh, obviously ruben neves jao uh, martino i think he's got one or two years left in his tank in my opinion and obviously they've they've signed a couple of midfielders so uh, and obviously in the front line the the main and very good additions were patrick atrone in my opinion because like uh, diego jota and royal hemenes will be playing a lot of europa league games and premier league games as well in the premier league in the in the next season so i think definitely one of those will get tired and might not play continuously uh, premier league games and europa league games so i think they need someone like a patrick atrone to kind of uh, Kind of play, play, play. You know, in the Premier League or maybe in the Europa League and score goals for them. And I think from AC Milan for 23 million euros, that's that's an absolute steal for me. So, uh, what do you think about Wolves, Harsh? Yeah, Wolves, one of the best teams to come up with the championship in the recent memory. Uh, yeah. and uh, they had a pretty good squad to start with didn't need to tinker much with it uh, probably needed a replacement for jaume botinho because he's a year older but uh, they didn't do that but uh, they got 
Patrick Kutrone uh, from AC Milan. He's uh, he was not the starting striker because of Piontek coming in, so he probably wanted to leave from there. And um, yeah, Wolves was a good destination for him. Uh, I think um, yeah. So I don't know um, any more of the signings. Like I have to look it up here. Patrick Kutrone, they've got Jesus Jesus Vallejo or is it Jesus Vallejo from Real Madrid on loan? He was playing for um, like Eintracht Frankfurt sometime before, and um, they've even got in uh, like Leander Dendonka. Uh, their deal was made permanent. They've got in Neto as uh, um, a. Yeah, Leander Dendonka, they made a deal permanent for him. And uh, Raul Jimenez, again, a deal for him. So, uh, they've not, like, really improved. Uh, I still see their squad pretty much the Yeah. Yeah, so they signed Dendonka and uh, Jimenez on loan, which is and they were quite good for them last uh, season. Especially Raul Jimenez, one of the best strikers in the Premier League last season. Uh, so yeah, they they they've not improved that much. Like Patrick Kutrone is useful, Jesus Vallejo was is useful. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. And uh, they're not they're not improved much from last season. And uh, they are one of those clubs that have stayed pretty much the same. Like at the same level, they're not that great. Uh, they're not they're not that much better than last year. They're not that much worse. So I expect a, a near like seventh place finish. They'll probably finish more. Towards like tenth place, but uh, anyhow, it's they've had a quite they've had a good window, silently. Yeah, so that's about all the transfers, ins and outs of all all the clubs. So uh, let's just straight get into the Premier League season predictions then. So sh- should we start from the top or we should should we start from the bottom? So I think Pranav did it from the bottom, so we'll start it from the top, Harsh. Okay, so. Let's just uh-huh. uh, do it like you tell your first. I'll tell my first. Like let's make it. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Yeah. So that would be better. So I'll start first. So obviously for the title, Manchester City. Obviously the the choice of everyone. And I think I pretty much you agree with it. So Pep will win three titles in a row. Uh, yeah. So you are also pretty much City, right? Or you you yeah. think Liverpool might win? No, I think Liverpool might win. Just kidding. No, it's City, of course, because. Uh, if Liverpool would have done some business, it would have been kind of. Oh, it would have yeah. been. It would kind of uh, led me to believe that Liverpool had more of a chance. But City are going to finish. Uh, uh, like they like they're going to finish uh, like more points than they had last season, obviously, because Liverpool are not going to put up 97 points. And uh, yeah, I think another continue uh, another uh, comfortable win for Pep Guardiola, and he'll be the only guy since. Sir Alex Ferguson to deliver three titles in a row. So, yeah. yeah so, so for me, City first, um, Liverpool second, uh, Tottenham third, and Arsenal fourth. Uh, do you have any changes in that? No, pretty much the same. But uh, uh, I would like to add that uh, last time the dis- like uh, the uh, points difference between Liverpool and the third place team Chelsea was probably some something around 25 points or something. But this time I think it's going to be a lot lower. Like five points or seven points or something yeah 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 so yeah, yeah so okay so this is where this get in, gets interesting 
So for fifth place, as much as I hate it, I've gone for Wolves. I think uh, they've they've not shown any signs of declining from last season. I've seen them play in the Europa League and the the some bit of them in the preseason, and I think they're still getting go- they're still getting goals in the midfield is still great. And I think I don't think they've conceded a single goal in the Europa League qualifiers. So I think Wolves are doing great, and I think. This might be the season where they might just cover the gap on United, maybe, and they will finish fifth. So, who do you, who have you gone for fifth, Harsh? I've gone for Leicester City, and uh, you mentioned there the Europa League, and that's gonna play a big part in Wolf season because, uh, like, you see, like, uh, take the last five to six Premier Leagues, and you take a look at all the uh, people like who have finished seventh and gone to the Europa League. There have been a quite a decline the following season, and. Uh, Wolves don't have the biggest squad. Like the squad is pretty thin in some areas. Like if you lose Ruben Neves, where you're gonna play beside Joao Moutinho and Leon Dendonka in that midfield? So, like they, that Europa League is gonna play a huge part in this season. So that's why I think uh, I'm gonna go for Leicester. And I I mentioned before like I love Leicester. I love their midfield. I love their attack. The defense is uh, if if Soyuncu and Benkovic come good, then their defense is sensational. Fullbacks probably. Uh, top five fullback pairing in the league and yeah, great team overall. Leicester fifth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so sixth, Manchester United. Yeah, I as I think I would have lowered them. Like I I was gonna put Leicester above them, but like for the for the pride of my beloved football club, I have to put them on sixth. What do you say? I actually have Chelsea at sixth. Or do you th- you think Frank Lampard will do better than Oli, like having Champions League and stuff? No, but I think Chelsea have a better squad than United, frankly. Yeah, like kind of. Yeah, the midfield is like quality. Yeah, yeah. like if you compare them, like their defense is probably I don't know. Like both, you can say pretty much both are quite same. Yeah. Uh, uh, the midfield of uh, Chelsea is much better, and like attack of United is probably better, but like not by that much. And if Pulisic yeah. comes good, then I think yeah, that's Chelsea. that's good. So yeah, yeah I, I have Chelsea six, United seven, but not much difference between them. Yeah, and I have put Leicester City on seventh uh, because I think yeah they'll have a very good season, but I think still I think Oli, you know, the the thing with United is that they will start the season well in my opinion, and then they will have the dip in form just like they did uh, in the last season, and then uh, Oli will struggle, and then they will start kind of catch up some form during December stuff like that, and maybe again end end the season inconsistently. So I think that's why they'll finish sixth if I'm right. And then Leicester, I think Leicester, I think uh, maybe I don't know why, but like I don't feel like they'll finish above United, but still Leicester for me seventh. So on eighth, I've got Chelsea. Uh, who have you got on eighth? Um, West Ham. Love best. them. Love their attack. One of the best attacks in the league. Um, Lanzini, Halle. Mikhail Antonio, Yamolenko, Philip Anderson, great attack, good midfield, kind of questionable defense, but they have Fabianski behind them, who's one of the best keepers in the league. So 
West Ham is at 8th for me. Yeah, so for me on 9th, it's Everton because I think Marco Silva, the reason why I put Everton as low as 9th is because like Marco Silva is, um, is, a, is a kind of an inconsistent manager. I mean, like if you look at his, uh, you know, record records as a manager at Haaland Watford, they've started incredibly well under him. And then there was a phase that they were, they were when they were inconsistent and there was a phase where they were absolutely bad. At Everton, he did not have the best of the starts just like he did at uh, Hall and Watford. Uh, but in the middle of the season, they were kind of okay. And then uh, towards the end of the season, they were like absolutely brilliant under Marco Silva. So I think still the season, just because they've got a load of midfielders, I think Marco Silva might not, you know, I mean, I think Marco Silva might struggle finding a best combination. And that's that's why I think they're going to kind of fall a bit inconsistent and might finish ninth. So for me, ninth is Everton. For you? Same, Everton at ninth. Uh, but uh, I, have, I have like got to clarify that this top, that sixth place finish of Chelsea, it's not going to be like easy. Like, well, like from six to ten, like and anything could happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from like, fifth yeah. to fifth to tenth. Yeah, seriously. From like top four are pretty nailed on for most people. Like most of the people I've heard, like top four are pretty nailed on. But fifth to tenth, like anyone could have any place in that. Depends on the season that the players are having. So. Ninth is Everton, ten fools. Okay, and for me, tenth is West Ham because obviously, as I said, the attack and stuff is very exciting. So yeah, so eleventh, I I've gone for Watford eleventh because I think uh, I think uh, the midfield is good with Decore, and uh, then now they've got wingers as Ismail Asar. So I think I think Roberto Pereira might deliver as well, and I think uh, Danny Welbeck. I hope he has a resurrection, probably not a resurrection, but like a, but like a decent Watford career, uh, Watford career. So what do you think for 11th? Yeah, so I have Watford at 12th actually. At 11th, I have Southampton only on the basis of uh, Ralph Hasenhutl because I think he's yeah, a me, me really have, good man. I've got 11th Watford and 12th Southampton. I think Ralph Hasenhutl is going to spring a surprise and like he's going they're they're, they're going to be the surprise package in the Premier League. But like 12th is not a surprise package, but like still Ralph Hasenhutl with the brand of attacking football that he plays, I think uh, 12th will be a good position for him. So, okay, yeah, like, so think, but you mentioned yeah. like twelfth is kind of a surprise because uh, like if if the other teams like hadn't strengthened that much on any other yeah they could have finished easily in the top half like eighth or something but yeah four great teams Wolves Leicester um, like West Ham uh, who have strengthened quite well so Southampton if they finish eleventh uh, it'll be it'll be quite a good season for them so I have eleventh Southampton twelfth Watford. Yeah, so 13th, I've gone Aston Villa. I think just for the money that they've spent, I think they've got to have a good season. And I think uh, the manager is quite good. Uh, he, Whenever like Aston Villa have been great at home, I've heard that a lot last season. Uh, but obviously, they've lost to NZB and stuff. But like still, they've signed a lot of players. And for the transfer budget, I think there'll, there'll be a lot of pressure on John Terry, uh, the assistant manager, and obviously uh, uh, the, the manager of Aston Villa. So I think... They gotta finish 13th, and I think they will finish 13th because like Jack Grealish and El Ghazi are gonna be kind of decent for them, and McGinn, McGinn is also le- like there. So yeah, I think Aston Villa for 13th. So my 13th pick would kind of surprise you, but I think Brighton are gonna finish 13th only because Graham, of Graham yeah, Graham, Graham Potter is a sensational manager. Like he turned that Swansea team around. Like Swansea didn't have that much of talent in their team, but he like really got them. 
playing a good style of play and i think uh, some of the signings that they made tosar mope um uh, yeah so so these these guys i'm looking at yeah sorry they've got uh, trussard uh, neil mope they've got aaron moy sorry i forgot him so some of these signings that they made they, they might uh, help them to like most of the people think that brighton are uh, relegation candidate but i think they're going to spring another surprise so they are another kind of surprise package for me this season yeah. so i have brighton at 13th yeah so for me on 14th it's a bournemouth because like i think uh, the front line is going to like obviously the front line might deliver but like the midfielder and face will have too much pressure on him but like eddie how i think defensively he's going to struggle with the qualities of like the teams have strengthened many teams have strengthened attacking wise i think the defense is going to have too much of work to do so i think bournemouth might struggle a bit and i think they'll finish 14th for me this season yeah same 14th is bournemouth uh, they would if they would have strengthened their defense probably a bit higher because their attack is like really good and uh, like harry wilson is uh, an underrated like uh, yeah an un- underrated player i think he'll he'll come good but like still yeah, 14th yeah. david brooks is injured yeah, so that, that, injured. that doesn't help yeah, exactly so they'll they'll probably stay up easily another season so 14th yeah so so for 15th i've got norwich because like i think the manager will do well and i think they can help them stay up so i think norwich will finish 15th yeah i have norwich finishing 15th as well it was close between norwich and aston villa i have aston villa at 16th actually so yeah norwich yeah, so. Uh, i mentioned they have some good talent in midfield and timo poki has to come good though He has to score like yeah. eight to nine goals for them to yeah, stay up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and at like you've got sixteenth as an uh, you know Aston Villa, and I've got Crystal Palace because I think uh, you know Zaha is lucky to still at the club, but I think Van Bissaka has been a big big loss for them defensively, and but like James McCarthy, I don't think like that adds anything significantly to that midfield, but like still. Uh, the defensively a bit, you know, like ifs and buts, but still, I think Crystal Palace was, was, is going to finish fifteenth and uh, sorry, yeah, sixteenth in my opinion. So, you know, it's going to be a drop-off season for them, and then and Roy Hodgson's kind of getting old, so maybe yeah. Yeah, and uh, on seventeenth, obviously, I've got Burnley. I think Burnley because just because I, I kind of like Sean Dyche. Uh, because his style of football is like textbook football, so I think Burnley for me at seventeenth. What about you, Harsh? Okay, at seventeenth, I've got Burnley as well. Now, just scraping through this relegation can this relegation dogfight, but I don't know for how long they can stay up in the Premier League. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dwight Dwight McNeil is quite a good player. He I yeah. think he's a he's an exciting good player. Good Munson might have a good season as well. I think. Yeah, I good Munson. So. Yeah, like those two wingers are. critical for them to have a great season drink water drink water might be a good yeah still it's shawn dice so drink water might not have that impact that he had at leicester but uh so burnley just avoiding the dog fight which means we've probably got two of the same uh, people in Candidates the relegation mean, uh, same of the like, yeah, yeah same kind of so for me brighton newcastle and sheffield will get relegated as 18 19 and 20 and for you i think it's crystal palace newcastle and sheffield if i'm not wrong yeah i have actually crystal palace dead last 20th 
ஸ்டர்லிங் and uh, i think for the manager of the year pep obviously and what else you've got a uh, young player of the year i think uh, james madison's going to have a good very, very good season at leicester so i think he'll be the young player of the year or maybe trent alexander arnold but like i still think uh, madison's going to win it because like under rogers i think he might have a very good season and yeah that's it that's that's it for me for this awards like awards uh, pretty much that for me Yeah so for me like manager of the year Pep Guardiola but uh, like if Southampton have a great season maybe like Rafa yeah if Southampton next week yeah finish in the yeah if Southampton finish in the top half of the Premier League and if Manchester United get fourth if United get fourth with this squad Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserves manager of the year along with a statue outside Old Trafford you know all is at the wheel return of it like literally that squad if that squad can get fourth like many people are so like like many people are very optimistic about this squad thinking that we will at at worst will finish fifth or sixth but i still think we will finish top fourth and stuff like that so if really if really those fans are right those like logicless fans are right i think yeah solskjaer would def- deserve the manager there if he gets fourth but i don't think um, like prano was telling earlier in the podcast that solskjaer would be sacked but i don't think solskjaer would be sacked because like most of the club knows that uh, it's the board's fault um, about not getting the players and stuff so i think uh, fans will back them they'll not go all out on solskjaer until unless something very drastic happens but i think solskjaer will stay for maybe a year or two maybe so i, I don't think he's going to get sacked yeah i think solskjaer is staying for at least yeah, the end of this season you, Yeah, so for manager of the year, we've got Pep. So, yeah. what about for the player of the year and Golden Boot and Young, player of the year? Yeah, yeah. player of the year, uh, like Raheem Sterling is everyone's choice. But I'm going for Kevin De Bruyne and I picked him oh, like the last three years. And, uh, yeah, he deserved it uh, in the season when yeah, Mo Salah yeah, won it, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like he, des- okay. he deserved it over Mo Salah even though Salah went on this amazing scoring spree. But Man City actually won the league by a huge amount of points. So... De Bruyne might have deserved it but I'm picking him again this year and if he doesn't win this year I'll probably not pick him next year but I picked him Bernardo for... Silva like Bernardo Silva has been very underrated but you like last year yeah. I still remember in one of the podcasts that we were doing like you said that uh, I think Bernardo Silva uh, in the absence of De Bruyne will be significant to City and he might be one of the player of the year candidates and like you were actually right so don't you think that Bernardo Silva will have even an even better season this time and maybe he might have his year this time i thought he deserved to win it last year like 
like yeah, I thought he was the best player even though Raheem Sterling got all the like goals and assists I thought Bernardo Silva was equally as good as him if not better and uh, yeah there are like three to four like player of the year candidates at City and at Liverpool there are like two two to three so it's tough to choose but I'm going with my gut feeling and I'm picking Kevin yeah so uh, yeah, golden the- golden boot golden boot I'm going for Harry Kane. Uh, if he, if he, if he, like that's a big if. Like if he plays the whole season, I think he's gonna win the Golden Boot quite easily. It's gonna be tough between him and Aubameyang and Salah. Like it'll be a three-horse race, but okay, like Harry Kane just whips him if he can play the entirety of the season. And uh, young player of the year, I think you're gonna enjoy this. I think it's gonna be Marcus Rashford. Oh damn it, man! Like I don't think Rashford will win the Young Player of the Year. As much as I love Rashford, I don't think I would love Mason Greenwood to have like a worldly season and win it. But I don't think Rashford will win it because like Rashford is very inconsistent. And yeah, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right. Yeah. So that's it from us from this podcast. Then I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it was great to have Pranav who kind of left the podcast earlier due to us. the busy work schedule but like the great thing is that he's uh, apparently going to start back as captain guno talks the podcast channel that he started probably a year ago and he couldn't continue it due to his uh, due to his work schedule uh, but like yeah so it's, it's the great thing that he's going to start and i'm excited for it i i hope harsh is going to upload the transfer uh, podcast that we recorded uh, some time back uh, on his channel easily football repeats please do check that and please do check this podcast on major podcasting platforms like anchor spotify apple podcast google podcast radio public uh, and many more so yeah so just to wrap up just to say one thing that yeah so last week we couldn't do the barcelona uh, popular demand podcast because uh, obviously there were some technical issues uh, uh, that anchor probably uh, you know deleted uh, some of my podcasts on my channel which is kind of uh, weird because like there was some technical issue with that so due to that i was figuring it out and obviously i was busy with my work schedule so couldn't do the podcast last week so yeah so this week uh, we did the transfer deadline podcast which is scheduled as usual and then after this uh, we are going to record the fantasy premier league podcast which is again when a very exciting podcast that we're going to record and we're going to upload and then uh, after that maybe uh, we, we're going to upload the barcelona podcast we had to postpone it uh, sorry for that reason so yeah that's it from this podcast hope you enjoyed it uh, hope you listen to it uh, please share your responses to me on the social platforms that i've mentioned and yeah that's it that's it from me see you on the next podcast then